Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. <laughs> I don't care today. I re- Seriously, I really don't care. It was so hot yesterday, I got so depressed with the heat, because it really was. It was and people are going, oh, isn't it fantastic? Producers want it. Oh, isn't it great to have heat? No, it's not. It really is. It's very, very uncomfortable. I spent most of yesterday afternoon sitting in the hospital waiting for my eye test. More on that later. And then the bus, I swear to God they had the heating on. I've n- the sweat was pouring off me. And you know when everybody's sitting in the seats and they're obviously sitting in a draft and I'm not. And I'm thinking, they're all looking at me. It's terrible because it was just so, so hot and so unbearable. I think we've got another day of it and then I think things get a bit better, which is quite... What are you doing? It's not squirty cream, is it? Has he got squirty cream? Oh, I love squirty cream. I tell you, the fun we've had with squirty cream. I tell you, what? I made a trifle once with squirty cream. I didn't realise it's all air and it all evaporates. And I had a bit of a disaster the other day because I, I burn candles at home. It's a spiritual thing and I like to be in touch with my spiritual side. And, um, and I bought this air in Costco. You get three cans of air and it's for cleaning uh, computers and for keyboards. You just go tss, 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 like that and it squirts all the, all the dust away. Well, I, being not particularly intelligent in the bright department or bright in the intelligent department, I thought, oh, that's great. It's air. I'll blow the candle out with it. So I had the candle there, and I went, like that. Next thing, I'm holding a flamethrower. I've seriously got a flamethrower going on, frying the life out of me. Frying the li- I thought, we shan't be doing that ever again. <laughs> so I, I bought a thing for putting candles... Uh, is that Evian water? Is that... Oh, right, because you know you can buy a little bottle of Evian water, which is a spray, and you spray it over... I can't... Magical what? It's magical? Oh, what is it? Oh, right, cools you down. Because they do do. You can buy a little bottle of Evian. Is this what it is? Yes. And it's called... Magical. Magical. And you just sort of... It's, is it water? It's No, it's it's it's, uh, it's like refrigerant of some kind. Try oh, right. it. Try it. All right, okay. Just have a little squirt. Oh, what's that? That's quite nice. <laughs> the trouble is they think you were mad <laughs> if you're sitting on the bus and you start spraying. So it's quite nice, actually. I've never heard of it before. Are you scared of it? You want music? Oh, he's scared of it. I show... Oh, hilarious. I said, would you like a wafer? Yes. This morning to him. So he said, uh, Ping Australia, he said, um, a wafer. I said, yes, a wafer. He went... Uh, and he looked at it. He'd never... He'd seen them, but he didn't know what they were called. Never seen wafers? Never. Well, he, he's seen them, but he's never, he's never used the word wafer. Oh. And I thought to myself, where in Australian God's name has he come from? Are you from Alice Springs or something? <laughs> I mean, how dumb do you have to be to not know what a wafer is? I'll take one back through to him. And yes, okay. yes. Yeah, yeah. You can... Thanks, man. And... Yeah, and, oh, he's, he's, he's producing now. He said, only one presenter in the studio at a time. <laughs> Look at that, I'll say. Coming from the land where there is no personality radio. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to the world of personality radio. Oh, I must tell you, uh, before I go any further, that I got um. An email the other day. You remember years ago we did this voice uh, of the country, radio voice, with Radio Times. And I don't think I'm breaking any confidence, but I, I'm out of 40 radio voices in the country, how I got myself on this list is, uh, is serious. I've got no idea. Well, I know who voted for me and it was very sweet. But I, I sort of I'm, I'm kind of on a list of people who are all famous. Everybody is famous on this list except me. Which I don't mind. I don't have a problem with that at all because so many of them work for the uh, for the BBC, which is funded by you anyway. I'm the only one who's not funded by anybody apart from uh, myself and Global. So I got myself onto this list. There's 40 people. There's 20 men, 20 women. Then a few weeks back, it must have been two weeks ago, they said you're down to the last 10. So we went off for a photo shoot. Um, 
where, you know, we were in, um, I forget where we were in London, actually, Kilburn sort of way, the studio. And we have all these pictures taken and, and they said, and we'll, we'll let you know shortly uh, what's going to be happening with it. Well, anyway, I got an email yesterday uh, saying that the addition with our pictures in and presumably announcing who's actually won this, is coming out on Tuesday of next week. So Monday, they've ordered in some copies of Radio Times so that I'll have it for Tuesday morning. But I've got no indication of how well we've done. I've got no indication of whether... I mean, if I get in the top five, I'll seriously be quite thrilled about that. We've whittled it down from, say, 40 to... You know, if Steve Allen can get in the top five, that would be, that would be really quite some achievement. Um, so I'm not holding my breath in any way, shape or form. But people keep saying, oh, you'll be doing all right. But I said, yes, but I don't want to get my hopes up. Imagine if you get your hopes up and you start, you know, booking the Hilton for a party and all the rest of it. And then, you, then your hopes are dashed at the last minute. So I thought, no, no, I'll just I'll just sit back, be grateful for what I've got. The fact I was nominated. So we've had these pictures taken. I've had to do a little uh, thing about what I listen to on the radio, uh, which is going in. I think that goes in for yeah, that goes in for next week. The deadline is this morning, so I've written that. It's only 50, 50 words, so it's only a little thing before I listen to. But of course, I'm lucky because it's not as if I don't work in a building where there are loads of radio stations. We own loads of radio stations, so consequently, whichever floor I wander onto or into the lift or into the loo and everything else, I'm hearing lots of different radio stations. So I've got LBC here. I've got uh, our friends at uh, Radio X. I've got Capital Extra. I've got Smooth. I've got uh, Gold. I've got Classic. I've got Heart. I've got Capital. I've got, I've got so many radio stations. And so it's, it's a bit difficult to choose what I would hear. But I just hear the ones on this floor, so I hear lots of... Lots of different people. And there's loads of famous voices. Loads of famous voices. But uh, but to be nominated, I thought, was the biggest thrill ever. I've never been, never been nominated for anything in my life, actually. Probably justifiably so. I did get a gold archiva, but that's another story. Well, that was, yeah, I, don't, I never make mention of it. In fact, I've not even put it on my Twitter page. I was thinking perhaps I should put it on my Twitter page, because some people do if they get an award. But I, I kind of play down awards, because I've always said to people, I'm not in the business... Of, of getting an award. I'm not in the business of, of trying to do it so I can get an award or win, win public votes or that, that kind of thing. It doesn't work like that for me. I just, I tend to come in, I do a radio programme. If people like it, they listen to it. If, if they listen to it, then uh, it pushes the figures up. But I'm, I don't seriously target any programme that I ever do to, to you listening. You know, I know who's listening because I can see and I can see the messages coming in. But I never I never sort of think about it, think, oh, I must do an award winning programme. As far as I'm concerned, I'm doing a radio programme. I get paid for it. And that's it. People like it. That's the bonus, isn't it? I think it's like sort of, you know, yesterday I didn't have a particularly great experience having my eyes tested. It was a new person, newly qualified. And I just thought she was a bit hard. At one point, she said, has anybody ever told you you've got cataracts? Oh, what? Because you have to fill in this form, stating whether you're sort of English, Irish, what was the other one, Scottish, you know, ethnic minority and all this kind of stuff. And so she said, did you, did you fill the form in? Yes, there it is. OK, it's just got my name on it and the fact I'm British. And so she repeats your birthday about three times just to make sure it is you. And um, I knew that she was new. I could just tell because I'd never, A, seen her before and I get my eyes tested twice a year. And secondly, she was just a bit, you know, you need to read this because if, if your eyes, you know, go funny, you'll need to get yourself to the hospital as quick as possible. And it was all a bit sort of, she'd learnt it textbook, but she didn't have any, any compassion in it whatsoever. It was all a bit disappointing. And then she said, uh, it said, on one point it said, when did you last have your eyes tested at an optician? Well, I've not been to an optician for donkey's years. I put down five years. Could have been ten years. She said, you need to go. 
I said, well, have I got a cataract? She said, I didn't say that. You know, it was, she was very, very sort of in-your-face kind of person. Very pushy. Didn't like her at all, I'm afraid, which is, uh, which is probably not, uh, not the most brilliant thing. But luckily, I only have to go there twice a year, so it doesn't make any difference. And uh, we sort of did the eye test. And at one point, she's doing the eye test. You know, we have to read the eye chart. You know, A-O-T, but it gets smaller and smaller. And she said, I need you to be able to read this. And she emphasised the need, like she was going to ban me from the roads or something. And she said, can you not read that? I said, no, I can't read that. I couldn't read the fifth line. I couldn't see it. I seriously, I mean, I could see some letters there, but I couldn't focus on anything at all. So uh, that'll probably go against me, I should imagine. God, I'll tell you, it was a nasty experience. And then, of course, because you've had these eye drops in, you walk out and it's like everything is twice as bright. Bus shelters are twice as bright. My friend Lynn said, I'll come and pick you up if you want. I said, no, don't worry, I'll get the bus back. It's, it's easy. Uh, not the temperature during the day, I found the problem. It's hot. It's the nighttime temperature. When trying to get to sleep, 4 a.m. and in South End, it's 21.5 degrees. Oh, wee. Ghastly, isn't it? Uh, magical is amazing, says Mike. Not cheap, but it works. Worth every penny. It makes sitting on a bus bearable. Well, I swear to God he had the heating on. I swear to God he had the heating on yesterday. It was so hot. I mean, that sweat is pouring down the back of my neck. And you know when you feel un- you know when your clothes start sticking to you? And you feel a bit sort of, uh, a bit sticky. And I don't like that, that feeling. It's, it's horrible, actually. You feel like sort of taking things off. But, you know, a bit embarrassing in the middle of a bus to start undressing. So I didn't bother. I just sat there and sweated quietly. Uh, nice and cool in the, uh, in the hospital, though. So that was, uh, that was a good thing. So we take all your texts and emails. If you're a new listener to the programme, uh, your texts and emails on 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. OK, it's fairly simple. And uh, we put everything in there, unless you're a particularly stupid person. And we do tend to find occasionally, we find one. It's the same person every morning. They just sort of masquerade either as a woman, as an elderly person, or just... You can always tell who it is, because I can check and see the history. So that's not too difficult. But uh, So we always delete those people, and we just make life as, as unpleasant as we possibly can. Always works. I might try and get some of this magic cool, actually. I bet my, uh, my chemist goods in Twickenham have got it. I shall find it. Hampstead Heath, apparently, says Stephen Maidenhead. 21 degrees centigrade. It's just... It's too, too hot. It's too hot for sleep. Although I slept really well last night. I mean, I really slept very well. I don't have any, I don't have any trouble sleeping. And, and getting up is an, is an easy thing. Somebody said to me, what, what is the secret? I get radio presenters writing to me saying, what is the secret of doing these ridiculous hours? I said, well, the incentive is money. And then the second thing is, you just get used to doing it. I've, I've never had any trouble sleeping. Uh, I've never had any trouble waking up. I've never had any trouble doing anything, actually. I was offered some, I've been offered Will Smith. Do you think I should do Will Smith for In Conversation? I mean, I've said, I don't know, does he know who I am? I don't want to talk to somebody who's not a fan of the programme. You know, it might make it a little bit difficult. But uh, I've, I've said yes, you know, in the interim period. And so Tuesday, we will know where we've, where we've come. If, as I say, in this Radio Times voice competition, if I come in the top five, I'll be very pleased. Because all these people are famous. All these people are famous except me, which I don't mind. That suits me fine. As I say in my book, so you want to be a celebrity, I am not have never, uh, never been and never want to be a celebrity. I'm a radio presenter. That's how I earn my living. Imagine putting down, I'm a celebrity on your passport or something like that. There's a, there's a girl in the paper today who, uh, who died. She was pushed, they say, out of a window. Uh, I think she'd been in Geordie Shore. Unfortunately for her, the only claim to fame she gets now is the fact that she was a porn star. And that's it. They're only concentrating on the fact reality TV porn girl pushed to her death. And, and that's what she'll be known as. She'll be known as some tacky old tart 
who made porno films. And that's, isn't that sad? They, they concentrate on your, it's like sort of, you know, radio presenter pushed to his death or, you know, chocolate maker pushed to his death or wafer eater pushed to his death. You know, forever you're going to be known as that one thing in your life. Whereas really, it's not like that, is it? Yesterday I was, I was with my friend uh, Chris M, as you probably know. And, uh, and he said, are you ever stuck for anything to talk about? He said, do you ever get to the programme and think, what am I going to talk about? I said, no. Why would you ever get to a programme and not know what you're going to... I mean, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. It just, sort of, it just sort of appears out of nowhere. It's, I said, but you don't have a dinner party. He said, you don't have dinner parties. I, don't, I said, no, but you know, if you were having you know, people round for dinner or you were going out for dinner or something like that, you don't sit there with things written on the back of your hand like, must talk about the weather, must talk about people's jobs. You don't sit down there. I don't walk into the office in the morning. And see the producer sitting. Well, I never see the producer sitting there when I walk into the office in the morning. He sort of pops up a little bit later after he's been to hair and makeup and grooming. And he sort of then sort of pops in. And then I don't sort of think, what am I going to say to him this morning? Because I know what I'm going to say to him. I'm going to stare at him and he's going to go, what? What? That's what he does. I mean, seriously, I could get an old record out and put it on every morning. What? What? And then lift the needle off. I don't stare at you. I look at you in incredulity. That somebody like you has managed to get this far in life and nobody snapped you up as a model, you know, <laughs> because he's uh, he's one of those rare things in Australia. He's unattractive. He's uh, no, seriously. No, I mean, there's nobody. I don't think there's that many good looking Australians. The only good looking ones are on the television. When you actually get to the country, you're quite disappointed. Seriously, because you think they all look like they do in Summer Bay or in Neighbour, and they don't look like that at all, as this programme testifies. Anyway, enough of him, more of me, because it's Steve Allen's show. It doesn't say, you know, Mike and Steve's show, because that would be silly. That would be very silly, wouldn't it? That would, Although, of course, that would be his ultimate fantasy. Oh, it's the Steve and Mike show. He'd be writing back to his parents, got me, got me own show, Mum, got me own show. She'd be so excited. I did say to him this morning, after we had the wafer debacle, on, you know, he'd seen them before. We didn't know what they were. I said, when you were in Australia, just a matter of interest, tell me what you eat. What does your mother cook for you? And he said, um, oh, you know, usual sort of things. I thought, yeah, usual for whom? And apparently curry is fairly high up the list. So there you are in burning temperatures of 30 and your mother produces a curry. Although his father apparently does the curry better than his mother does. So you've noticed we're sort of we're eking out his personality over the weeks and months. We're sort of we're, we're sort of gradually we're throwing out the line and then reeling him in a little bit. And then he tells you a little snippet of information. Then we let him go back out to sea again. And then the next week we reel him in again and we get some more information. Uh, so you, you've discovered he lives in Mooney Ponds. Oh, sorry. Alice Springs. No. Where do you live? Where, where is home? It's where, where is home for you in Australia? Come along. Come on. Give, 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 give to Stephen. Give to Stephen. Come on. Tell, tell, tell. I'll come round and smack your face. <laughs> He's wearing different shorts today, proving that that's not true. Australians don't, uh, don't only just have one pair of shorts. He's got two. He's got two. Today it's blue. Yesterday was khaki. So tomorrow, navy, uh, blue, blue, mate. It's just blue. Yeah, it might, they might have said navy on the thing to you. It makes you sound more exciting. Uh, and probably tomorrow, who knows, yellow, something like that. That would be nice. Does he possess yet? Yeah, of course you've got possess yet. Yeah, of course you've got yellow shorts. You're Australian. You're Australian. That's what it's like when you're incontinent. And so they've got all these other things over there and lots of beachwear shots. But luckily, the good news is tomorrow my Tommy Bahama shirts will be arriving. I can't wait. I haven't got one on today. But I wore one yesterday. Perhaps that's why she didn't like me up at the hospital. I don't know. 
It was a very unpleasant experience. Seriously, it's the only time I've ever had an unpleasant experience where I thought to myself, is she telling me I'm going blind or something? It was really odd. They're looking for glaucoma. So you have to go up there. And she, she took the... Put your chin on there. Put your head back. Open your eyes wider. It was like speaking to a five-year-old. It really was quite awful. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. It's uh, a warm Wednesday morning. You know, for those of you who love the warm weather, well, whoopee do for you. For the rest of us, sheer misery. I'm not complaining at the moment uh, because I've, uh, I've got air conditioning. I've got lovely air conditioning. When I was speaking to uh, Chris Moyles yesterday, uh, we were talking about things that I like. And he's, he's constantly discovering that I have a fairly eclectic mix. I, uh, I collect uh, ephemera and theatre posters and DVDs and stuff like that. And uh, and then I told him I subscribed to a magazine called World's Fair. It's a newspaper. It comes out every week and it's for fun fair folk. It's the people who run the fun fairs. And I was telling him about the families yesterday. I was amazed at how much knowledge I had in such a short space of time. And he said, so, so what does this magazine have? I said, well, it means you can buy a, a set of dodgems. They call them a, a set of dodgems. Um, or you can buy, you know, an inflatable or you can buy that stuff, which is a frozen ice. They sell all sorts of things. It's all to do with fun fairs. You can buy caravans from trailings, all the different show families. They all subscribe to it. It's about pound fifty a week. And it tells you where everybody's working. It incorporates Circus World and stuff like that. So it's all... he was fascinated by it. And then his producer, Dave, Dave, uh, got it up on the Internet so he could actually see what it was. Because I think I think things like that are interesting. I think you've got to have a good mix of stuff in your in your life, haven't you? Otherwise, you're boring. You imagine if you actually haven't got any hobbies or you haven't got anything that you take a delight in. I take a delight in everything. Seriously, absolutely everything. Vegemite, Steve. Uh, Australians eat it by the bucket load. Yeah, it's the same as Marmite, isn't it, for us? Well, it's not really. It's a similar kind of thing. It's got, um, you know... I remember actually going, when I was in Vienna once and I was in the canteen, I said to them, I said, um, could I have some toast? And they didn't know what toast was. They had no idea because they don't do toast. And I said, you just sort of toast the bread. It seemed a bit ludicrous. But they do the most beautiful rolls over there called semmels. And they, it really tastes like proper bread. They're beautifully made. And uh, I would have those with some ham and cheese. And I could quite happily live on that, quite happily. But they used to do a thing called ham and eggs. And you could do it yourself here. You get a frying pan and you put in some uh, some ham in the bottom of the frying pan. Then you just crack about three or four eggs over the top and then you put a plate over the top of the frying pan and the whole thing steams itself beautifully and then you just literally take the plate off and pour it all out and it's all cooked lovely. really is. So ham and eggs, very popular. Nice, easy meal for you today. But I bet everything that people will be having... Uh, probably salads today, because that's what happens when we get hot. We go, oh, I couldn't eat anything. Salads, we'll have salads. And all I adjusted was a couple of rolls, because I had to go to the hospital, so I didn't, I purposely didn't have anything. And by the time I got back, it was way too late. Uh, is it Nath? Nath? He says, after your several hilarious cameos, with Chris Moyles giving the show a first-time listen before bed, in Tampa, which is in Florida. I've been over that long bridge. It's miles, isn't it? Doesn't it go? Well, I remember we went over it years and years ago, and the Pelican was flying next to the car which is only something you see in movies, so we're always terribly impressed by that kind of thing. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. You're going to have uh, bucket loads of water in certain parts of the country. There's going to be electrical storms because of the heat. And it was hot yesterday, make no mistake about it. Uh, there was one woman, she was in the hospital, and we could hear her. She was fairly old, and she was saying, oh, it's terrible out there, terrible. She said, there's people being sick on the buses, and the buses aren't... And I thought, you're just making this up, dear. Nobody was sick on my bus, and we were packed solid. It's just, people just make a lot of, uh, lot of fuss, don't they, about a bit of hot weather. I mean, I complain about it, because I don't do hot weather. Uh, it's just, you know, that, but that's my, my business. But I was up watering the, uh, 
watering the baskets very early this morning. In fact, actually, I made sure I got, got myself ready really quickly and I was out there doing a good 10 minutes drenching everything. And then when I get home, I'll have to drench it again because they dry out. You know, I'm going to be losing stuff, you know, left, right and centre. Uh, Steve, huge achievement to make it to the shortlist. When you think how many radio presenters there are out there, you're only up against 39 others, but there are hundreds more. And you got into the top 10. Yes. Actually, I was nominated by, uh, by uh, people that I know in the business. One of them is very, very, very well known. Very well known. I mean, he's like, he's like mega well known. And he nominated me, which I thought was quite sweet. And, um, and, uh, but it's, not, it's nothing to do with the radio programme. As I pointed out to people before, when, you're, when, you, when you were voting for this, and it was months and months ago, you weren't voting for the, for the actual programme. You were voting for somebody's voice, whether or not somebody had a distinctive enough voice. And I've always been told that, you know, people hear me, they go, do I know you? People always say that, do I know you? That's what I get a lot of. I always go, oh, you might do. I don't know. It depends. Uh, hope the hanging basket, says Mike, are good. Mm, yeah. um, it's a little bit difficult on that one. They're, they've started going. I told you Lobelia would be the first thing to go, and it's gone a bit crunchy under one of them, so I'm a little bit depressed. A little bit depressed. Did you ever challenge Chris Moyles to do an in-conversation, says Dean? He won't do one. I've tried to make him do one. I've done him so many favours. He owes me a favour. He seriously owes me a favour. I'm going to make sure he. I'm going to make sure he does it at some point. He always says, oh, "I've got nothing to plug." And I said, "Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter." Eight four eight five zero. Steve at LBC dot co dot uk. Every show you do says Gary is award winning. But the funny thing is, you don't. I don't think anybody thinks about that. Do you think? Do you think there are radio presenters who actually do a program and then come off the back of it, you know, and go, "Oh, I was really awful this morning." I've never done that. I've never come off and thought I didn't do a good program. I've always done, you know, the best because I do a speech-based program, so it can only be based on my personality. It can't be based on it's certainly not the producers, and uh, it can only be based on my personality and the ability I have to keep talking for two and a half hours, which some people seem to think is some sort of achievement. And then I suddenly realise it probably is. Because so many radio presenters now never get the opportunity to express their personality because they're, they're sort of constrained by tight links into records. So it's, you know, it's the music people want to hear. Whereas if you listen to LBC, you want to hear somebody's personality. Steve says, Mike, you have to do Will Smith. He's very funny, very interesting, and he's got a massive following. Oh, that sells it to me then. I'll do him. OK, I'll do him. Uh, Steve, the only reason for the uh, examinations for diabetic retinopathy, bleeding the eyes usually treated by lasers. Yes, it's this. Uh, it's, uh, we know what it is because I do it uh, twice a year and it's fine up until now. Absolutely fine. I don't see any problem with it, actually. Um, you know, I, I, yes, I don't, I don't really see any problem with it at all. I really don't. You know, people sort of say about, oh, you know, you've got bad eyes and all the rest of it and you go, but I can see and they go, yeah, but can you see properly? You know, are you in danger of losing? I mean, I will go to the optician. I will get um, a uh, a sort of checkup because I, I told you I tried lens glasses on, and they were much better than my reading glasses. <laughs> much, much better. So very much looking forward to sort of doing that and sort of trying to build it in. Bad news uh, for the cenotaph. Apparently, the Pokemon monsters have got to it. I was at the bus stop yesterday waiting to go to the hospital. There's a couple of kids there. And one's going, oh, he said, oh, the Pokemon's around here too. Uh, what are you on about? It's really sad stuff, isn't it, really? Um, the other one was here, why you can't resist a cake in the afternoon. Kellogg's, 
ads have been banned over health claims. They make all sorts of claims on things now. And if you can't substantiate it, people come down and you like a ton of bricks. And so you watch the... Te- I was always told, as a diabetic, there's not really much you can have in the, in the world of cereals. Muesli's apparently OK. But you can't have anything, which is all the things I like, like Jordans and stuff like that. Because it's just... There's basic, you, know, you couldn't have Frosties. It's a lot of sugar. It's a lot of sugar. The only thing I think you could have, what did they say? Was it shredded wheat or something like that? Bite-sized shredded wheat, which I quite like. I don't mind bite-sized shredded wheat. I can get, sort of get about uh, get about with that. There's also Tesco selling the hottest chilli in the world. And Pippa went, for the, uh, went from being the butt of all jokes to bagging a millionaire. This is Pippa Middleton. Um, unfortunately, of course, the problem is that they've got that Pratt brother. Who comes along with them? Yes, Spencer Matthews. Spencer, I've bedded a thousand women, but I'm still a complete so and so. When we when we originally did the script for the programme, I, I used a very rude word, and the producer sort of was going to type it. I said, "No, let's let's change it for Pratt. It's so much easier." That's uh, Spencer Steroid Matthews, biggest buffoon in the world, ladies and gentlemen. How embarrassing! You know, sort of well-heeled family. But the buffoon of it, poor little soul, honestly. You can only sympathise with him. I suppose that'll be the embarrassment, won't it? How can we keep him away from the wedding? Uh, also, the um, the hubby who goes to the airport with his missus, gets on the plane, leaves her in the airport. How can you do that? You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. So we've got the, uh, the heat out there. We're all suffering with the heat. We're all moaning about the heat. People are trying to keep cool. People don't know how to keep cool. And um, and then at the end of the day, you sort of think, well, we've got more of it. But don't worry, because there's rain around the corner. And then you read about, you know, you get stories about the heat and people just about managing to cope with it. And then you and you think, OK, we, we've now gone into normality. And then it all goes horribly wrong again. We get a mum and two girls stabbed over wearing scanty clothes. And uh, this is in the French southeast, uh, already reeling from the jihadist Bastille Day Massacre, France suffered more violence when uh, the mother and the daughters were knifed at a holiday resort because they were scantily dressed. I mean, seriously, there's some mentally ill people out there, but by God, it's getting worse. And then, back in this country, there was the horror in the car park as three people die in a family shooting. They think the father perpetrated the crime. Neighbours said they were going through a crisis in the marriage, so he decided to kill people. I mean, this man's obviously got some mental illness. You must have. Why would you do something like that? And then to make it even worse, as if things couldn't get any worse, uh, jihadists murder an 11-year-old boy because they say he was a collaborator. They didn't just murder an 11-year-old boy. They beheaded him at 11 years old. And you think, he's a child. Are these people so bloody sick in their heads that they will actually kill an 11-year-old child because because he's sort of a, a sympathiser to somebody else? Answer is, yes, they are sick in the head. Then there was the bloke who went mad, the Afghan, on the train, who had an ISIS flag, apparently, and an axe. He was shot dead. Seemed about the best thing to do. You can't risk anybody else being attacked, can you? And you think the whole world's gone mad, don't you? You seriously think the whole world has gone stark, staring mad. Tad warm yesterday, says Neil. I'm melting. Off to Costco on Friday. He said, anything you need? He said, if you say spare ribs, I shall eat them. And when I was chefing, he says, at Royal Ascot, we never used to kill the lobsters before we cooked them in boiling water. And we did hundreds of them. Yeah, they all sit there alive and then you put them into the water. It's as simple as that. You know, we had a couple of people the other day mad as March Hare people. No, you're supposed to kill them beforehand. It says so in the Bible or something. We had all that usual claptrap that came out. You know, read it on Wikipedia and Gordon Ramsay, he's got to be right. And the truth of the matter is, as you try to point out to these people who've got no brain cell, 
that in fact you can do it any way you like. If you want to kill it beforehand, that's your business. If you don't, you just put it in the hot water. The noise it makes is the air escaping from the shell. So now you know. Now you know. Uh, Steve, and um, I trust you for the funny takes on life, he says, and James O'Brien for the more intelligent things. Not being rude. Yeah, well, let's have a look at the audience size, shall we? Uh, Amanda says, and um, which shower gel do you use? Uh, um, I use... um, What shower gel am I using at the moment? I'm using Joe Malone. uh, Plus, I've got a lot of Penhaligon's shower gel. And I've got Joe Love's shower gel. They're not cheap. But to be honest with you, I think think you get what you pay for. I think you get what you pay for. I've used other stuff. I've used that um, simple... Uh, shower gel and and that that's it and that, that seems to work quite well but i like uh, at the moment my favorite is is it thai lime over mango or something it sounds delicious i mean it, i've also used um body shops grapefruit shower gel that's really invigorating depends where you use it but i mean that's that's really quite exciting and very nice so we like that a lot we like that because it's uh fantastic I'm, I'm just i just like a good shower gel i bought all sorts of shower gels in the past and you get down to you know the ones that that you enjoy using so you know they're not cheap they're not cheap Hadi says what does mike your producer actually do a question i have asked myself ever since we met he sits there and he sort of he does flirty flirty you know with himself because he can see his reflection, and he's he's captivated by his own reflection. Seriously, is I mean, he if he was a lollipop, he'd have licked himself to death. Believe you me, he's he quite clearly thinks he's something because every time he walks past, you can see him looking at him. He's terribly, he's more vain than anybody I've ever worked with in my entire life. He obviously practices this in the mirror at home when the bedroom door is shut and his lanyards are hanging on the back of it to impress people. That's not nice language. I don't need that sort of language. I can lip read. Really, honestly, very common. Don't need that sort of thing at this time of the morning. So phone your parents up and tell them. I don't know where you've learnt that sort of language from. Uh, Will Smith sounds like a very good in conversation. And uh, with the hot weather, people tend to leave more windows open. Really? Do you think so? <laughs> I don't know, actually. And uh, Duncan says, we think you fancy your Australian producer. Oh, you wouldn't say that if you saw him. <laughs> Seriously, you really wouldn't say that. <laughs> uh, Phil in County Durham. You've got no friends anymore. <laughs> I love that. Especially as you can't spell either. I don't, I don't want stupid people on the programme, thank you. And um, Maxine says, uh, well, to sum it up, I'm not going to Australia now if they wear yellow shorts. Not very becoming. Yeah, I mean, it's the trouble is, I mean, I've never expressed any interest in going to Australia. I don't mind them coming over here. I'm fairly tolerant of, uh, of people. I don't, you know, I don't sort of... Um, I don't sort of, you know, he's, he sort of smiles, but you can tell that he's used this sort of trick in every bar under the sun. <clears throat> I, d- I said to him early wrong because I heard it on a show. Somebody said, what's your best chat up line? And uh, and so the chat up line is <laughs> to somebody you meet in, in a bar, they go. Does anybody know you're here? Well, this confused him no end. This one went over. Oh, I don't get that. I said, you know, so you say to somebody, it's a chat-up line, does anybody know you're here? You know, I said, and I said, it's supposed to be done a bit creepy. Ah, then he got it. He understood the word creepy. He understood the word creepy. And I asked him what his sort of best chat-up line was. And it involves a koala bear. And to be honest with you, he actually thinks that, I mean, this is why he's single, because it's obviously not working. He reckons 60% of the time this works as a pull. What was the pulling line again? It was something like, come on, what was it? Come on. 
Come on, tell Uncle Steve. Come on, let me embarrass you further on the programme. What, what was the chat-up line? I can't remember. Sorry? Yeah, what was it? I know it was brilliant. What was it? So, yeah, all right. So there's a girl there, OK, and you're sort of chatting around. And you say... You certainly seem to match all of my koala... Koala what? Vacations. Koala vacations. As in qualifications, but koala. And apparently that's the link to Australia. This apparently, ladies and gentlemen, pick yourself up off the floor, is a winning chat-up line in this country. doesn't work in Oz, because they look at you and go, oh, why don't you just do one, mate? And, uh, well, that's what, that's what the women sound like. The, the men are be slightly higher voiced. And uh, so, yeah, you don't want to... Koala-vacations. And apparently it's a winning line. Don't try it, for goodness sake. You find yourself flat out on the pavement somewhere. It'd be a ghastly experience. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Apparently lobster starts to go off as soon as it dies, so it's got to be cooked from live in boiling water, says Chris. Well, I don't think it goes off. I mean, what you're supposed to do is, as we said before, and this comes from a fishmonger, is you stick it in the freezer and then it sort of goes to sleep, but it doesn't actually kill it because you can sort of take them into deep freeze and then they come out again. And uh, and then you sort of put it into the water. I've never heard of somebody killing it before you put it in the water. That sounds very nasty. Don't like that too. Uh, 8850 Steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, another one here. Too hot to sleep, says Bob. I, I didn't have any trouble sleeping last night. I know a lot of you do, but I, I didn't have any trouble. I just I couldn't wait to get to sleep, actually. Uh, listening in Melbourne, Australia. Apparently, your dry sense of humour gives me a chuckle. What dry? I don't do dry sense of humour. Mine's blatantly up front. I don't do dry. It says, I know it's tongue-in-cheek most of the time, or is it? Of course it's not. How can you say, I know it's tongue-in-cheek, or is it? So in other words, you doubt even your own self, don't you, really? Of course, typical Melbourneite, Charlie. Typical Melbourneite. Hey, what do they call them? Burnians. Melburnians. Are they like the lower, lowest scale that you can get to in the sort of the social strata of man? Are they way down there? Mel- Melbourne's good, is it? Not this one. This one doubts himself. I know it's tongue-in-cheek most of the time, or is it? And that's it. That's, yeah, I mean, really. He says, here in, here in, in Melb... Here in Melb. We're in the middle of winter, a cold 16 degrees... There you go. I'm glad you're suffering. <laughs> We're not. I stay indoors. We've got air conditioning. We don't mind spending the money on air conditioning. <laughs> Actually, the funny thing is, everybody's got air conditioning now. It, it, at one time, it was considered terribly flash, wasn't it, to have air conditioning? Not anymore. Not anymore. Everybody's got air conditioning. Even people with little cheap cars have got air conditioning. Uh, we'll tell you this morning how to avoid the airport rip-offs. And the couple who win £14 million... On the lottery, but they've already booked a holiday. So Camelot said, well, don't take the ticket with you. So they photocopied it. They made all the notes on it that you should have done, just in case somebody broke in so they can prove it was theirs. And Camelot knew it was theirs anyway. And they go on holiday. They hid it in a lamp, a ticket worth £14 million. But because they'd photocopied it and they'd already told Camelot, there was no danger they were going to uh, lose it at all. Keith Richards doesn't think the Beatles were a great live band. Well, it's true, they weren't. They weren't fantastic. Like There wasn't much going on. They just stood there and just... Oh, yeah, i tell you something. Thank you, understand. There was no sort of choreographed anything going on. They just stood there looking smart in their suits, played their music, and that was it. And people just screamed. How you ever heard anything, I'll never know. Actually, even over in, um, even over in America, where they played Shea Stadium, they were playing Shea Stadium with 30-watt amplifiers. 30-watt amp. I've got a bigger stereo in the car. 
30-watt amplifiers. I kid you not. Absolutely amazing. And nobody heard anything. You just heard screaming. From the moment they came up on stage, scream, 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 scream. But there was an album out. I think it's called The Beatles Live at... I'm sure it was, I'm sure it was Shea Stadium. Pretty certain. Pretty certain. And then somebody else was uh, telling me about, um, about America. And I was quite right, actually about this, uh, this, uh, this, uh, this place in America, the bridge that goes over uh, into, uh, in, from, from Tampa over to the other side. And this, this uh, Nath has got this thing. He's got a, a pelican tattooed on there. Uh, 8850-stevedlbc.co.uk. And uh, is Alan Manor air-conditioned? Yes, yes. You did meet Will Smith once, says Phil. You met him in the foyer. yes. I did. This was where I was waiting downstairs. These people outside. And I said to Charlie Girling, I said, what's going on? She had Will, Will Smith's coming in. I said, oh, great. I'll have a chat with him. She said, don't. He's coming in. He's straight upstairs into the lift, doing the entry and all the rest of it. So um, I'm sort of standing there, pressed against the wall. And he came in and he shook my hand. He obviously thought I was part of the, uh, the entourage to meet him. I went, hello. <laughs> so I'll remind him of that when he comes back in again. Mind you, I got the same with David Cameron. And he came out of office fairly quickly after he'd done a special thing for me. But uh, anyway, it's, uh, it's all good news this morning because I'm, all I've got to do today, apparently, that uh, a koala isn't a bear, it's a marsupial. Yeah. Oh, oh he's, uh, he's using that rude word twice. Do you think he uses that sort of, yeah, don't, don't take that attitude to somebody. This is somebody being nice to you. He's imme- he goes on the defensive straight away. So his hackles are up. You can see, you can see he's very annoyed. You can imagine, he sort of, he goes out to a club and, and he sees this sort of little girly he fancies. And then some other bloke, who's obviously a lot smoother, a lot better looking, whizzes in just as he sort of edged his way down the bar holding a pina colada. You know, and somebody's whizzed in there and going, you want a Beck, darling? You know, and you can imagine then he gets really as angry as he did a minute ago. You know, because I pointed out a koala is a marsupial. Yeah, don't, you don't, you don't need to get riled about it. Just chill out. Honestly, I, I sometimes wonder where the hatred comes from in these little people that I end up with. You know, I have to sort of say to them, listen, the world is a good place to be. So what if it's a marsupial? Nobody cares. They're quite dangerous, actually, koala bears. Don't ever think that they're just sort of cuddly bears. You know, they Take your arm off. Take your arm off, I tell you. Uh, it's terrible. Bob says, always nice to listen to an award winner. Yes. Well, well, it will be if we get this other thing, but we're not going to get it, so it doesn't matter. But I just quite like the idea of being nominated for The Voice. I think that's quite uh, it's quite something. It's good enough for me, anyway. Nobody else needs to worry about it. And uh, can we hear what your producer sounds like, says Michael? Mute. I'm afraid he's a mute. He can't, uh, he can't actually speak. I've had to learn to lip-read, uh, which is, you know, which is OK. You know, I, he, he sort of, he mouths something, and then I go... Oh, right. Did you say? And I had to write it down on a piece of paper from him. We wanted one of those speak and spell machines so he could sort of, you know, hello, professor. And then it would sort of speak to me. And Because if, if you heard him speak, it, it's not so much speaking, really. It's sort of just a lot of air popping out. So it sounds like he's wheezing at the same time. A little bit asthmatic, but funny, actually. So uh, he sounds funny with a good personality. Well, he doesn't really. He's neither funny nor has a personality. But, uh, but we put up with him and I, I generally sort of, I wave things. Look, I'm waving things at him now. It's a peach. He loves his peaches. He gets very excited. I get, we've got peaches today. And honestly, you can see him salivating from the other side of the desk. At least I think that's what he's doing. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. <laughs> oh, dear. Honestly, where would we be, ladies and gentlemen, without a laugh? Here, right here. Ten to five, it's Steve Allen's early breakfast on uh, on LBC. Damien says, do you have any tattoos? Mind your own business. 
Do I sound like I've got tattoos? Do I sound like I'm the sort of person who would have tattoos? I've seen the people on the television, they all look big and butch. That's just the women. And they're there and they go, yeah, they're having whole legs tattooed. And I think to myself, oh, God, how disgusting. It's sort of, you know, people with tattoos. It's the neck tattoos, I can't believe. Why would you be dumb enough to have something tattooed on your neck? Do you not realise that you're going to get to about 30 to 40 and you're just going to look really, really naff? Really naff. Doesn't make you look hard, just makes you look a little bit simple. Uh, 84850, uk, And uh, another one here. Um, but, but, did you used to have a week conversation with a station on Oz? A weekly co- Did I use that? No, not me. No. I don't think so. I, the only station I know in Australia is 2UE in Sydney. That's it. And I don't know them. I just know them because we had a presenter from there years ago, but I don't, I don't know anything about the station. I don't know how many radio... I don't know if, if Australia's got exactly the same amount of uh, radio stations that America's had. You literally... You drive through America, and it's like every sort of couple of miles there's another blooming radio station. Uh, 84850, steve at Oh, A koala is a marsupial. So I tell him that again. And... Um, uh, Wendy says, I'm not annoyed, I'm fuming. The people have voted. Get on with it. The sooner we cut ties, the better. It's going to be years. You might not live long enough, Wendy. It's going to be at least two and a half years. At least two and a half years before anything happens. Seriously. I mean, it's it's going to take so long. Uh, wondering what Steve Allen's view is on Americans. Well, I couldn't eat a whole one. I'm OK. Australians, the trouble is that they're so diverse, aren't they? Whereas Australians are a little bit sort of down the middle. You know, you know what you're getting with Australians. You know it's barbecues, you know it's hot weather, and you know a tinny is a tin of cold beer. And that's about it. And they've got Neighbours, and they've got Summer Bay, and they've got places like that. And they had Kylie Minogue and Danny Minogue. And they had uh, Michael Hutchins, who ended his life on the back of a hotel door, I think. I mean, really, honestly. And he went out with Kylie Minogue, and then he was in a band called In Excess. Look at me knowing things like that. And uh, what else do I know about Australia? Bondi Beach... The Great Barrier Reef, um, they're supposed to be fairly healthy, but they're not really, when you get over there, you discover they've got just as many fat people over there as we have over here. Uh, they've got a lot of Australian television, which is not particularly exciting, and we send a lot of Brits over there to uh, go and entertain them. Because they don't really have that many internal entertainers in Australia. They've got a few people, mainly successful Australians, leave Australia because you want to sort of come onto the world market. So I shouldn't imagine Kylie Minogue does diddly squat over in Australia. She's much bigger over here than she is over there. You've got the Sydney Opera House, of which, you know, it's very nice, but inside I thought it was quite dull. I remember seeing a, a concert in there. It was actually, it looked a lot smaller inside. I remember seeing, who did I see in there? Max Boyce. Uh, I got the DVD and Max Boyce was appearing at the Sydney Opera House. I remember thinking, God, it's a bit small. And the Seekers were appearing there as well. A bit small, but I love the Seekers, as you can imagine, because I like all that kind of stuff. Open up them pearly gates, you know, train whistle blowing. Say goodbye, my own true lover. I do the whole Seekers songbook, you know, from memory. And uh, I love I love stuff like that. I thought they're, I thought they're brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. But uh, Australia, uh, fantastic. If you like that kind of thing, too far away. America, much closer. Americans, more grateful. Bigger portions, more food, I should imagine. I'm sure Australia's got loads of food as well, but uh, America seems to have more food. I mean, the portions are absolutely enormous. And the majority of Americans don't have passports. Why would they need a passport? You only need a passport to go travelling. They don't need to go travelling. They've got everything in one country. Ski in the morning. You can go and lie on the beaches in the afternoon and then go skiing again in the evening. It's, it's very easy to do. Not difficult. They've got everything there. It's bigger and better than everywhere else. They're a bit insincere. 
But no, I like it over there. I like going. I like going and seeing all the things that we've seen at the movies for years. And they like coming here because they think we're quaint. They think we all live in like a Merchant Ivory movie. Uh, Steve, uh, you won't have tattoos. Tattoos are for chavs. I wouldn't have one because I just don't, I don't want one. Producer's not got one either. Mainly if he had one, his mother would go up the blooming wall. They, he is very much under the thumb over there. He's very much mumsy boy. And uh, he, he wouldn't, if he went home with a tattoo, she'd have his, he'd be hanging on the washing line, I tell you. It, she just wouldn't, and my parents wouldn't have liked things like that. They'd be asking, you know, whether or not, you know, there was something the matter with me for having a tattoo. Or even though my brother's got a tattoo. Only a small one, I believe. Can your producer trace his bloodline back to court one at the Old Bailey? <laughs> he thinks that's really funny. Not. <laughs> Up uh, going to uh, Shepparton Studios from the East Coast. Just driven past a film unit. Ten minutes from my house. Why didn't I get that job? Says, uh, says Declan. I know, it's always the way, isn't it? It's always the way. I'm always fascinated when I see people out there who are filming... And uh, there was somebody yesterday, so I was going over Waterloo Bridge, and she was filming early in the morning, and I was, I was thinking, I wonder what that channel, when, when that, that's going to appear, you know, because you always, you always wonder, don't you, if you sort of, if you wave behind them, I thought, no, that is really, really naff. Uh, apparently the rotary washing line was invented in Australia. Wow. There you go, the rotary washing line. What else did Australia invent? The didgeridoo? The didgeridoo, that, that came from Australia. But what, what is Australia known for inventing? Was it something, you know, like the wheel or something like that? It's a what? They were what? Australian rules football. Yeah, well, that would be, because the clue is in the title Australian. But, I mean, did anybody in Australia ever invent anything like, you know, toothpaste or, you know, or sort of the hang glider or something like that? Is, is anything famous for coming out of Australia apart from you? Is there anything else that, that comes out? There isn't, is there really? You can't think of anything at all. You're... No, you, yeah, you can't come up with cricket like that because cricket... Backyard cricket. That's just for people who can't afford a garden, isn't it? That's for peasants. That's for sort of chavs. They've got, you know, there, and then they play it back, you know. So he thinks that's, that's kind of like something that they sent around the world. Whereas, in fact, most kids, you know, if you don't have a garden, you just play with your ball in the back garden, and that's about it. Uh, what do I think of Donald Trump? Somebody says, I'll reserve judgment. I think the wife's a bit of an old fraud. But the dress has sold out. That dress she was wearing has sold out. People people obviously... Like, it's funny, isn't it? Nobody's ever been out and bought every Tommy Bahama shirt. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Steve, I've seen tattoos on the face. Actually, there is a... Um, there is a programme coming up on the television which has got uh, people whose faces are tattooed. Why would you want to do that? Why would you want to do that? Uh, Haddy says, is it true in the past the government used to send the con men and criminals to Australia? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we still do that now. We just don't tell people. We just call it Qantas. And, uh, yeah, no, seriously. No, yeah, we did. That's where we sent them. Best place. Tasmania, I think, was fairly popular. And um, another one here. I've just finished work. Uh, just getting ready to hit the gym. Want to come along? Uh, says Ruben. Um, I really, seriously, no. I mean, if, if you'd seen me, I don't look like the person who would be remotely interested in going to a gym. If I did go to a gym, it would be just to sit down. I wouldn't do anything else. I'm constantly looking for benches. Wherever I go in my life, I'm looking for somewhere to sit down. We do Regent's Park walking. And if I see a bench there, I sit down. You see, the other day they were giving the gorillas ice lollies. So what they do is they almost freeze like a bucket of water. They give it to the lions and, and tigers occasionally. And we've got tiger cubs as well now, which is gorgeous. And uh, they give it because it's so hot for them. 
Even though most of them, because they were born in, in captivity, most of the animals that they've got. So they're not used to these extreme temperatures of the place where they would have come from had they been born there. And so they were giving the gorillas ice lollies the other day. Imagine if you were a gorilla, you go, a bit of a treat here. I think they froze watermelon or something, and they just love stuff like that. But uh, you sit there and, and watch them, and you just think, I wonder what's going on in your mind. It's a, it's a very interesting uh, prospect. Uh, what about the hat with lots of corks on it, Steve? Only in Australia, says Mick. I think that's designed, and correct me if I'm wrong here, is it for keeping flies away? It's so because the corks move and they keep flies away, because otherwise you're constantly going, psh, 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 that, things like that. So I, I don't bother with that kind of stuff. But I wouldn't, I would, I mean, I say I wouldn't want to go there. If somebody said, listen, you know, I've got a free holiday to the Great Barrier Reef and you can swim around in beautiful waters and stuff like that, then, you know, I might be tempted. But then I think about it's 26 hours on a plane and I'm thinking maybe not. Maybe just go to South End for the day. I think the toilet seat was invented in Australia. I think, but, but the British put, put the hole in it. So uh <laughs> got a smile out of him on that one. He, he kind of tweaked to that one. Goes back to the does anybody know you're here gag, which uh, which he didn't get at all. Anyway, nice to be company. Welcome to Wednesday morning. We're racing through the week. We're racing through another heat wave today. Uh, the BBC have admitted they send too many reporters abroad. Of course they do, because it's freebies. Like, they send far too many reporters to the Chelsea Flower Show, far too many reporters to uh, any event, because it's known as a freebie. Most expensive flat in London gives you 12 bathrooms and 12 bedrooms. Seems a bit excessive, doesn't it? You do get to look down the mall. It takes up the whole of Admiralty Arch. The bloke played uh, £60 million for it. We'll just flog stuff to anybody, won't we, nowadays? He's got a 250-year lease on it. And this flat is going to be £150 million. Oh, avoid the airport rip-offs. That and, uh, and the other woman who nicked from the benefits. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. It's uh, three minutes past five. It's Wednesday, the 20th of July, and it's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Uh, another one here. Oh, Pan Am is an Australian as well. Yes, Pan Am. But again, you see, works mainly over here. Works mainly over here, I think. And uh, so on the programme this morning, the migrant crisis needs sorting out. Cameron gives you a new kick in the balls. This is for the lottery again. It's not looking promising. The patients drop by the GPs for being too healthy. In other words, if you've not used the GP for a certain amount of time, they take you off the list and you go back to base. Luckily, that's never going to happen for me. Uh, more heat today. Tesco selling the hottest chilli in the world. And the mum who swindled nearly half a million quid in benefits. She made up stories. I think they should put people like that in prison and put the kids into care. I'm sorry. It must be so easy to fiddle benefits now. It really must be. Nearly half a million quid she got away with. God, blimey. Um, Grey nomads, apparently. Grey nomads. That's what Australian invented. These are sort of old people who travel around the the coast. And they go around. Because, you know, old is the new young. Old is... I see more people on these television programmes now where they go, we want to go and live in Australia, want to live in the Caribbean, or want to live somewhere, and they get them to find a, a flat or a house. Very rarely do they buy... They just go around looking. Mostly people can't afford They're just there for a freebie, aren't they, really? And so, uh, so that's it. And, uh, and, uh, and so, you know, older people are the, are the new younger people. Apparently, Australian uh, rules football originated from the Irish Gaelic football. Oh, right, OK. I don't... Uh, apparently, there are two talk stations in Sydney, two UE and two GB. Oh, right, well, there you go. It's, but, uh, you know... Mind you, it's like, I don't know how many radio stations they've actually got, but they're both talk stations, I think. 2GB two, two is a talk station as well as 2UE. 
Right. It's funny, only in America, whereas we have proper names, LBC, you know, and all the different names for our radio station, they just call them numbers. This is WKXY, you know, in Cincinnati, or something like that. They, do, they always do that, don't they? You never find a radio station called Radio Baltimore. It just doesn't happen. It would be, uh, this is CCXN, you know, with Sissy Spacek coming at you this morning. I love listening to uh, to Australia. I'm not I'm not a radio anorak, but I love listening to Australian presenters and American presenters because they sound so alien from anything that I've grown up with, apart from, you know, the early Wolfman Jacks and uh, Emperor Roscoe's and stuff like that. Uh, Steve, you should try the hottest chilli live on air. No, thank you. No, thank you. No, we did we did play chili roulette on air once with Alan, and it was quite clever. It was a a game of it was chocolate. You got um, was it ten ten chocolate bullets on a tray, and you spun the wheel, and if it uh, if it landed on you, you got to pick one of the chocolate bullets. One of them, in fact, they all had chocolate in except one, which had really hot chili. And I remember Alan Alan Dodge, and we spun it, and I think it was only about. <laughs> the third spin and it wasn't fiddled because it doesn't tell you which one has got the chili in and and first of all he ate ate the first chocolate we used to make him eat the most awful things on the program we made him eat this chocolate thing and he was fine on the first one so he breathed a sigh of relief unfortunately it was the third spin of the wheel that got alan dodgen i think (laughs) he took a bite into this chili thing and he nearly went through the roof we've had him eating everything chocolate covered ants chocolate covered scorpions we had all sorts of things civet coffee can't begin to tell you where that comes from. <laughs> but funny. But very, very funny. And uh, so uh, he was he was the uh, the experimenter on the programme. Uh, Steve, I agree. Uh, the Seekers are brilliant. Judith Durham had a major health scare last year, but seems to be doing fine. Yeah, she's over 70 now. She's over 70, but uh, she's got the most, most unique voice. The most unique voice. Uh, David reckons that the Yanks have everything except culture and proper chips. Yeah. Uh, you have a new listener from Sacramento called uh, Holly. My friend uh, told me about your show recently. I love the humour of the presenter and the topics discussed. I've heard everybody complaining about the weather over there lately. I'd love to have your weather compared to over here. It was 41 degrees last week. I was melting. And thank God for air conditioning. Well, I I don't know who invented air conditioning, but we have it as normal now. We have it as normal, and uh, I just get used to it. In fact, I don't think, between me and Nick Ferrari, I don't seriously think we could actually work in studios that weren't air-conditioned, because if it's warm, it sends you to sleep, and it makes you very drowsy. And as you can well imagine, if you do a speech-based programme where you're flying by the seat of your pants most of the time, you cannot do anything where you start slowing down. And actually, actually talking of slowing down, I was, um, when I was waiting to have my, uh, my eyes uh, done the other day, uh, a girl came in with her mother. She was a schoolgirl. And uh, the nurse said, oh, are you ready to have that? No, no, she's just having a hypo at the moment. And she was diabetic. She was having a hypo. And so, uh, you know, once she sort of got over that, her mother went, thank goodness for that. And you think people, you know, who go into these situations where their their uh, blood sugars drop to a dangerous level. I mean, I'm lucky. I've never been down in that depth. I've been over the top many a time, but certainly not down in the depths. And I felt immensely sorry for her because she was only young. I mean, she can't have been any more than 14, 15. And I thought, you're going to live with this for the rest of your life. That's all I thought about. That's all I thought about. And uh, and I did feel sorry for her, actually, because, you know, her mother said, oh, we got through that. That's good. And and I thought, well, you've got your life ahead of you. Uh, Steve, uh, what is Australia Centre's B. Smith and Lizzie Birdsworth? 
from prisoner cell blockade. Do you remember that when that programme first hit over here? Used to bring me roses. They tried to find the singer. I think on this morning, I think Richard Madeley and Judy Finnegan had this competition to try and find who the singer was because the programme just took off and it was it was enormous. We used to watch Prisoner Cell Block H. We absolutely loved it. Sets moving and all the rest of it. I thought it was just wonderful. Uh, 84850, uh, On The subject of the Yanks, somebody says, well, you must like them. You've been over there enough times. Yes. Yes, I do. I, just, I don't dislike anybody. Seriously, I, I just think life's a bit too short. There's a couple of mad people that I know, and we don't really like them, but that's, uh, that's different. If somebody's got some sort of sickness, I'd suggest they go elsewhere. I don't do people with sickness at all. Uh, apparently, and uh, Australia's, uh, uh, Australians are geniuses. Oh, they invented the... St- I don't know what that is. I'll have to ask him first in case it's something rude. I never like it, you know, somebody... Can you see what... You, you probably can't see that, can you, on there? Can you see... Sorry, it's uh, an email. It's an email. You can't... No, he, he, he can't see my emails next door. Only I can see the emails. I don't want to say it in case it's something really rude. So there's no point in asking me now. I'll have to wait till the quarter past, then I'll ask you about it. Because if I, if I say this word, it's two words, somebody, you might say to me, oh, that's really rude, Steve. So I, I, don't, want, I don't want to risk it. It's like when somebody says, oh, it's, it's you know, it's special day in Bratislava. Can you say this? And you always think to yourself, am I saying something really rude? So I never do anything like that. Don't even bother writing them because I don't even bother. Just in case I've said something dreadful. <laughs> you have to laugh, don't you, on a Wednesday? You have to laugh any day of the week, actually. Uh, right, what have we got? What have we got? What have we got? What have we got, Stephen? Uh, people daring me to try hot chilli. No, thank you. I don't do chilies. Mark remembers the chilies with, uh, with, with the chocolate. Poor old Alan Dolgen. We did get him to eat certain things. And uh, now, says Jane, we send our criminals to uh, Jaywick and Clacton. <laughs> and uh, another one here, this uh, so-called Magicool. Um, yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, if it works for him, it's probably going to work for me if Darren's using it. I did see a little uh, Evian spray, which you put in the freezer or in the fridge, and then it sprayed cold water onto you. But then, of course, you're down dripping in cold water. It's like people fanning themselves. <sighs> like that you know of course the moment you stop fanning yourself all the heat comes back again and as I pointed out to a friend of mine actually the other day that if you're really really hot the worst thing you can have is an ice cream or an ice cold drink what you should really have I know it seems stupid is a cup of tea a cup of tea will sort of keep your temperature on an even keel whereas if you drink an ice cold bottle of water which we did yesterday uh, it drops the temperature a little bit too too quickly. So today, what have I got to do today? What's today? Wednesday. Oh, today I need to go and collect my medication because I should have gone yesterday, but it was way too hot. I need to get a haircut. So Kasha, here I come. I've got to water the hanging baskets and we've got to go to Costco. Blimey, what a busy day. How are we going to get it all in? We're just going to have to try, aren't we? We're going to have to try. It'll be uh, just making sure, actually, that we can... Uh, that we can water the hanging baskets and it's not going to be too, too hot. Not going to be too, too hot. Shall we go through some of the uh, the papers and let you know what the stories are? This is what you're waking up to uh, today. The sun are going with uh, Pippa's wedding bling. I'm going to be a bit bored with this by the time. She's, uh, she's going to marry next year. She's got a ring and she's going to marry the brother of Spencer Matthews. He's marginally more interesting than Spencer the buffoon Matthews is. I mean, a complete idiot. Claims to have bedded a thousand women. Claims to have done all sorts of druggy things and everything else. We know he's done steroids because he got kicked out of the jungle for that. He's, uh, he doesn't really have a job as such. He's just a bit of a waste of space. It's funny they all turn out like that, don't they? 
There's lots of people. We've got Marco Pierre White Jr., who's the biggest buffoon you've ever seen in the entire world. What a, what a fool. How we point and laugh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we pray the angels have taken you, Amy. This is uh, the pals of Death Plunge porn star Amy Spencer pouring out their grief. One saying, we pray the angels have taken you to heaven. I don't know why people say that, but they do. Friends and family were devastated to learn the model, known by her stage name, Carla Mai, died after injuries after allegedly being pushed out of a first-floor flat window. Uh, she's been on Geordie Shore. She was rushed to hospital. Uh, it was a drug fueled party. And there my um, sympathies end, I'm afraid. The moment somebody says it was a drug fueled party is the moment I kind of... I kind of step away from it because I've got no sympathy for anybody. You saw how stupid Spencer Matthews was. We've seen loads of other people. We've seen people on the television and they've admitted taking cocaine. Then we saw we had that tragic story years ago of a, of a children's television presenter. His girlfriend, him, they'd taken drugs. She uh, died in the bath. He then hanged himself. It was all a tragedy from start to finish. And this is what drugs do. And I can't do anything about it. I can't make laws that sort of change it. It's still available. You, can, you could probably walk out around here this morning. You could find somebody to sell you drugs. I should imagine within a, within a matter of minutes. There's so much profit in it. And, uh, and people just get taken in by it. And I'm glad I never did it. I'm glad I never did it. I only ever smoked um, one of those marijuana cigarettes once years ago. <laughs> Smelt like old socks. Horrible. Didn't have any effect at all. I'd rather have a, a bottle of Prosecco. Make myself much happier. At least I'm not going to throw myself out of a blooming window. Anyway, uh, there are people here. Uh, this overlooked Brighton Beach. And uh, they've got people here. She had admirers across the world. Well, she was a porn star, I should imagine most people did. But that's what they've, uh, that's what they, they've picked up on, the fact that she made pornographic movies. And um, so anyway, she lived in Brentwood in Essex, described herself as a glamour model, an adult performer and had worked with several X-rated producers. She was a porno person. That's all it was. But, uh, you know, you go to a party where there are drugs and you go to a party where all sorts of things can happen. And you kind of just go enough already, you know, not surprised anymore. The moment they say it was drug fueled is the moment I kind of step back from it and say, listen, you know, parents have to live with what their kids get up to. You can imagine her going home and, you're, and you're, you have to explain to your parents that you're a porno star. God dear, I mean, that must be, uh, must be so depressing for most parents. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. So we're trying to work out things that the, uh, Australia's given us. And apparently one of them is a stubby holder. Ideal for your current weather. Um, so, and a stubby holder is, I had to ask what it was, and he, he came in, which frightens me, so I was moved the chair to the back of the room. You know, I was going, you know, you should phone in advance and just get clearance uh, from the security in the studio. And, and I said, and he went, ah, stubby. It's like, you know, you sort of, you've hit on the holy grail with him. If he hears a couple of words from back home, it's like, he sort of, I thought, thought he was going to throw his arms around me or something and go, it's so great to be back home, Steve. But uh, luckily he didn't, because I was all prepared. I had the camera all set up and everything just to make sure we capture the pictures and it'll work in court. So the stubby holder. And the stubby holder is obviously something like um, a polystyrene or something like that kind of thing that slips over a bottle to keep it cold so that you can drink it. So it doesn't get... Because of the heat, obviously things get warm fairly quickly. And so a stubby holder will keep your beer cold. So it sounds to me like it's a holder that goes over a bottle... 
and and it keeps it chilled. We used to have years ago, you must remember these, when we used to go and buy a block of ice cream from the supermarket, uh, we had a polystyrene box, and you it fitted exactly your block of ice cream inside there from Lion's Made or Walls or whoever made the blooming thing. And you'd put it inside there and put put the lid on, and that would keep it cold until you got home when you can put it in the freezer. But uh, we used to have a cold bag. In the back of my car, I've got a socket for plugging in a cool box. So you could put the cool box in there. I could keep chilled water in and stuff like that. But to be honest with you, there's no room in the boot of the car to put a cool... I would love to have a cool box in there. So you could keep, you know, Prosecco or anything like that, really. I don't really care. Imagine if you kept ice cold water in the boot of the car. <sighs> Lovely. Sounds great. You're going to need it this morning. So remember, take your, um, take your bottled water with you. Apparently, a small selection of Aussie inventions, says Eggers. First of all, uh, 1928, the electronic pacemaker. 1953, the solar hot water. Uh, the black box flight recorder in 58. Uh, Wi-Fi, 92. They're all Australian, are they? What Wi-Fi? Good Lord, honestly, there's more to your country than meets the eye, isn't there, really? So do you hold a dual nationality passport? What passport do you hold? Here we go. Aussie and Irish passport. Oh, right. Is it sort of Oz-Ire? Or is it just, say, Australian or something like that? We've got two separate passports. How does that work out? How, how have you managed to fiddle, to, to, uh, to get hold of that? Well, we know you're special. We know you're very special to your parents. That's why when you go home, they move. Um, you know, I mean, but, so you end up... So is your mother Irish? Mum and dad are Irish. Oh, right, but they went to Australia to get the Australian passport. And you can keep the Irish one as well. Oh, that's a good old wheeze, isn't it? Can't believe that one. You have to pay for two passports in every every five years or ten years or whatever it is. Interesting. Are there any advantages to having an Irish passport? It's sort of... Not really. No. You can live over here. Oh, right. If, if you didn't have an Irish passport, you couldn't live here. I'll get that one checked out, actually. I'll get that one checked out. We just want to make sure, you know, because he could be here illegally. We don't know. I'd hate to be sort of, you know, ingratiating him into the programme. And then all of a sudden somebody says to me, you know that he's not supposed to be here, don't you? And then I have to accompany him to the police station. And I get implicated before you know where I am. I'm in chains. I'm being taken off to Botany Bay. And I'm the one who kind of suffers. So I just want to make sure it's OK. Uh, so here's the pictures, as we predicted yesterday. Lots of uh, young people. Uh, wearing their swimming trunks, watching girls in bikinis, jumping off the uh, a pier somewhere. I don't know where it is, actually. Portsmouth. Mind you, if I lived in Portsmouth, I'd be jumping off the Blooming Bridge in Portsmouth. <laughs> Best place. Uh, and then they found out which ice cream did better. So uh, they sent out a reporter, Jacob Lewis, and he tested ice creams. The 99 needed a barrage of licks to keep the drips at bay. Because it, it's, it's upright, it's, it's erect. And all of a sudden, the top of it, once that starts going, whew, you're going to... Oh, dear, very messy. So then they tried Solero. Well, apparently, orange outer layer melted quickly, but the ice cream inside was reinforced with exotic swirls. The Cornetto forgot a five out of five. It held up best. Only the sauce on top dripped. The Twister did well for the first ten minutes, and then it collapsed. One out of five. Uh, the Feast's... Chocolatey outer shell stayed firm, but the lolly eventually collapsed. And the Calippo didn't really stand the heat, but the cardboard wrapping did well to stop most of the drips, sparing you stickiness. So in fact, the best was the Cornetto. Whereas, in fact, we bought some Cornettos the other day. By the time we got them across the road from Iceland, they were practically melted. The top of mine had gone decidedly limp. Sirius looking really sad. You know, you had to get your tongue around it as quick as possible. Otherwise, it just would have disappeared. And I would have thought that the Clippo, because that's like solid ice, isn't it? You've got to really squeeze the bottom of it to get anything out the top. You squeeze it really hard at the bottom, and then gradually it sort of pops up. And then you say, I thought that would have stayed forever with a cardboard camera. A bit like that sort of stubby thing that we talked about a while ago. 
I thought that would have kept it a bit cool, but uh, obviously not, ladies and gentlemen. Obviously not. Uh, Leanne Hamilton sung the theme tune to Prisoner Soul Block H. I always think that's a very gay thing to know that, James. I kind of worry if somebody knows that, you know. It's, it, you know you're not going to be somebody who goes out and plays football, are you? You are going to be somebody who would go, uh, Leanne Hamilton sung the theme tune to Prisoner Cell Block H. That's the kind of thing you really keep very quiet unless you're drinking in Old Compton Street. Uh, on the subject of Australia... Uh, oh, sorry, it was, it was David who said about the, the stubby holder. Now I know what it is. I'm quite, uh, I'm, I'm quite keen on actually finding one. I quite like the idea of having a stubby holder, but I'm not sure if you can actually buy them over here. I'm not sure if, uh, if those sort of things exist. I saw there would be, actually. You could probably go on to, I don't know, actually, probably Amazon or something like that. And uh, another one here. You pommies have done us to Aussies, says Chris, a favour by dumping the convicts down here. What a mistake. Think about it. We have the land size. We would fit at least the whole of the UK and a lot more. We have the best weather, beaches, landscapes. We don't have Europe overrunning us. And most of us... You know, you made a big mistake. Well, actually, you should be very careful, Chris. Very careful. And I'll tell you for why, because we're about to do trade with Australia. And if you're not careful, we might not do any trade with Australia when we come out. In which case, as most of you in Australia are out anyway, uh, I think the idea is you need to be nice to us, because otherwise we won't do any business with you. And then your economy collapses, and then you lose your job. You have to come crawling over here to see if we've got anything for you. But we haven't. We've got nothing for you at all. So, uh, so Yabu sucks, as we say. And uh, another one here. Why don't we have air conditioning all over London? We do. Go and sit in a supermarket. I'll tell you what I did yesterday. Paul Cooper's got a fridge at the back of his shop, and it was 50 degrees, you know, sort of below. And you could just open the door and get this beautiful draft of cold air. It was gorgeous. I think they should make trousers with, like, a little air conditioning unit around the top in the waistband, and you flick the battery on, and, emi- I mean, somebody's got to invent it sooner. It can't be that beyond our capabilities. And then you sort of get cool air blowing itself down through your nether regions. That could be nice. You sit on the bus with a fixed smile on your face. You know, I'm really happy and enjoying myself. Uh, it's the short cans of beer, which are called Stubbies. OK, John the Cabby says, uh, temperatures hit the 90s today all over. The world, apart from Australia... Who are still stuck in the 80s. I know, I think they are. Well, you think Australia's stuck in the 80s? Do you know, I don't think you're wrong. I don't think you're wrong, actually, there. Uh, Manuka Honey. Take care, Michael Van Stratton. Irene, thank you for that. And uh, the young girl with the low blood levels, diabetic like yourself. She has it all in front of her, but hey... They might have a cure for all types one, two and three. There is no three, as far as I know. <laughs> but, uh, no, you'll always find somebody says, oh, they've actually found a cure for diabetes. And then it turns out they haven't, actually. Australia invented Speedway. Once sponsored by LBC at White City during the 70s, the brainchild of an entrepreneur by the name of Johnny Hoskins, says Mark in Putney. Well, there you go. Speedway. Wow. I remember Speedway from a long, long time ago. Oh, they did invent the boomerang. Do you remember that? Boomerang. Charlie Drake did a song called My Boomerang Won't Come Back. And uh, in the bad, bad lands of Australia many years ago, the Australians heard it and decided what to go. And then he could, my boomerang won't come back. That's all I remember. I can't remember any of it. You're so right, says Ben. Who needs drugs to enjoy a party? Well, clearly not that girl ever again. Give me a beer and some banging tunes. Oh, right. OK. Uh, benefit cheats. Who is she, Steve? Who is she? Um, I'll tell you very, very shortly, because I've got a I've got a name. I mean, nearly four hundred thousand pounds she got away with, as I say, into prison immediately, into prison immediately. I don't want any any hanging around here. Uh, also, 
Uh, what have we got here? Oh, Taylor Swift. That's still rumbling on with Kanye West, which is uh, which is okay. Uh, the holiday couple who hid the fourteen million pound lotto ticket in the lamp wouldn't have made any difference if anybody uh, would have found it, because they'd already registered the thing. Once you've registered it, you know nobody can go along there because they're going to go. No, wait a minute, it's been registered. There was some bloke. Do you remember who had a shop, and um, he discovered that one of the tickets this this lady had given him was a winning ticket worth one hundred and sixty thousand. He didn't tell her that. He just went, oh, it's a tenner, and gave her a tenner. And then he handed it in. Of course, they actually caught him. They caught him out. Very easily done. Very easily done. Can't tell you why, but they just do. Brilliant Aussie actor Brian Brown. One of my favourite films, On the Beach. Set in Australia. Some crazy animals. A duck-billed platypus, for one. They had um, a programme on the television the other day, and they had kiwis on the beach in Australia. You know the thing, that little flightless birds. But they only come out, they only come out at night. And uh, they had them walking about on the beach in the daytime. They went there to film in Australia. They were doing a series of programmes about Australia. My God, it's dull. And, um, and the Kiwis. Uh, they, might have been in Aust- they might have been in New Zealand, actually. I've just thought about that. You can't get them, can you, in Australia? You can't- I, could- I shouldn't get them mixed up. I'm sorry, it's my fault. But at least I admit a mistake. At least I admit a mistake. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Wednesday morning. Oh, the problem with that uh, low-cost holiday, they've said... About £7.80 you're going to get back. If you paid on credit card, well, then there is a chance that you could get some of your money back. Uh, The one thing they're making you do, because the company deposited, I think, a million pounds, just over a million pounds in an account. So it works out about £7 something for each person who is not going to be getting any money back at all. So it's hardly worth bothering. Also... You're going to be charged for your hotels abroad. And the problem is with your flights as well. Because you'll have to pay 45 quid each to get yourself back again. Because uh, Ryanair and EasyJet, I don't think, have been paid either. So, and the hotels are not letting you go without charging something to a credit card. So it sounds like a disaster all round. Absolutely terrible. Uh, good news for fans of Led Zeppelin. Uh, with the help of Jimmy Page, a fan's recording of a session has been restored. It's a three-track session, includes the only known recording of a song titled Sunshine Woman, made in 1969, but wiped from the archives. However, a fan taped it from an AM radio broadcast and uh, Jimmy Page has helped remaster it. It's going to be included in a new compilation album called The Complete BBC Sessions, available from September the 16th. Interesting. Here's the story of the... This is how devious and how sick... Some people are. And that's and you'll probably share with me my abhorrence of why this woman cannot be named. She swindled three hundred and seventy five thousand pounds in benefits by lying. Now, this is where this is shows what an evil person she is. These kids should be in care immediately. Uh, she pretended that the kids were sick and she made them undergo surgery. Surgery. What she did, she's forty three, she forced the boy and the girl to feign gastric problems, so feeding tubes were fitted to their stomachs. There's nothing the matter with them. She's that evil. I mean, this woman should be incarcerated for the rest of her life. She also refused to toilet train the lad and told him to play up if nursery staff tried to do it. So it seemed he had a urological condition. He was put on steroids. Bear in mind, nothing the matter with these children at all. This is how evil she is. He was put on steroids for severe asthma, despite showing no symptoms, and was taught by his mum to act like he was autistic. The scam went on for ten years during which she netted £87,000 in disability living allowance. She falsely claimed income support whilst living with a partner, earning thirty-eight grand a year, taking the total fraud 
to nearly £400,000. On top of that, £146,000 worth of NHS drugs and equipment was found at the home. She can't be identified. Isn't that amazing? I'd have her splattered over every front page of the newspaper. What a piece of disgusting work she is. She was convicted of child cruelty and fraud. She faces jail. I should blow him well hope so. A cop said it's staggering her willful actions resulted in the children undergoing unnecessary surgical and medical intervention. Who is she? What sort of woman puts her children through that? A sick person. A really sick... She should go to prison for ten years minimum. The kids have to have tubes fitted to their stomachs and there was nothing the matter with them. Pretend to be autistic. And she netted that. Gosh, truth, honestly. I tell you, somebody somewhere is either in on the act and helping these people out. Because how do you get through all of that sort of money? I just don't understand how you can actually sort of defraud the government. And it's so easy. I mean, other people working in the benefits office, particularly stupid or something. Because you're kind of asking, so, you know, oh, I don't know. Paul says, what do you call a boomerang that won't come back? A stick. I like the idea of that. I, 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 used to, I never had a boomerang. We were never lucky enough, actually. Uh, 84850. Ray says uh, the black box recorder and Wi-Fi were also invented uh, by the Australians. And uh, Eggers says, can you let the Aussie producer be heard? Absolutely not. On pain of death. Goodness sake. Are you mad or something? This is, it's, we don't allow him to talk in the office. We're certainly not going to be allowing him to talk on the programme. That would just be ridiculous. That would just be absolute madness. Surely, Steve, the Australians invented surfing. Well, actually, I don't think they did. I don't think they did. I think that was... uh, I don't know how anybody could actually have invented surfing. It's just waves. And somebody thought of putting a board on there. But I would have thought in in Australia... uh, Sorry, in in America, they would have invented surfing, wouldn't they? There's loads of other places. not just uh, Australia where you can surf. I don't know whether or not they... Have you ever been surfing? Ever been surfing? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Sort of like every Australian goes surfing, like every Australian, you know, drinks tinnies and goes to a barbecue. Well, he doesn't like that at all. There are some people in Australia who don't like barbecues. They don't like tinnies, and they certainly want to be seen dead on a surfing board. And that's what people like, you know. Skateboards, I quite like. I've never had a skateboard either. Or fairly, I wanted one of those things. There was a gyro thing where you just got two wheels and you stand on it, and I quite fancy one of those. Uh, Sally says it's five thirty, Steve, not four thirty. Well, it's not, actually. It's 22 minutes to six, but it doesn't make any difference. Uh, Steve, Australia had one of the greatest rock bands, Men at Work. It's about one of the only times men did work in Australia, says Buddy. I like Men at Work. Do you come from a land down under? They all sing about their own hometown, don't they? Like we're remotely interested. Can you hear the thunder? Do I come from a land down under? It's a bit repetitive, actually, but that's a bit, you know, that's the way the Australian psyche works. So we sing along to this one, mate. Do you come from a land down under? Yeah. Do you come from a land down under? <laughs> they always think that's community singing in Australia. <laughs> I have a shop near me, says CJ, that's freezing. In the hot weather, it's only a small shop, but I take an hour and a half to do my shopping there. <laughs> I like that idea. I, I just lean over freezers. I lean over freezers. It's so much easier. Uh, Andrew Shepherds Bush says, how, how, uh, how damaged are these children going to be? Why has this woman not been named? I want to know exactly who she is. Don't you? This woman is sick. Sick. I bet we're not going to be surprised when we see a picture of her. Uh, how did you cope with sleeping last night? Fantastic. 27 degrees in the bedroom, despite the windows being left open. 
I think you have to buy a fan. Actually, the good news is that nobody's run out of water. There's loads of water. I've got loads of water in my fridge. Uh, I've got fans. And so I was fine. It was only outside that the problem was. Inside, there was no problem. Because what I've done quite cleverly is I've got a fan right behind the television. So what it does, it hits the back of the television and blows around me, thus creating a vortex. There's your word of the morning, a vortex. And so the cold air swirls around me, providing me with this with this lubrication, which makes me feel a little bit cooler than I would do if I didn't actually have it on. So my advice is go and buy a fan. But actually, to be honest with you, I wouldn't bother because we're going to be, we're going to be into the rain and the monsoon season very shortly. Uh, I won the lottery, says Brian, on the New Year 2000 draw. I lost the ticket, four million down the drain. It's amazing how philosophical you become after something like that. It doesn't feel real. Or have I gone mad? Probably gone mad, actually, I should imagine. Because the first thing you should do, if, if you check the tickets, and I don't, I don't actually check any of my tickets at all, I get them to do it. Whether or not they're telling me the truth, I've got no idea. I just hope so. Uh, Steve, how can Pan Am be Australian when the AM part refers to American? Yes, it's Pan American, isn't it? I don't know. I don't know why she's Australian. It's just she's a comedienne, and they're, they're a little bit short of funny women in Australia. Most of the funny women over there are men. <laughs> I mean that in a caring way. And um, apparently, when the Tahitians are said to have occasionally stood on their boards, the art of surfing upright was certainly perfected, if not in, invented, in Hawaii. When Captain Cook arrived in Hawaii, surfing was deeply rooted in many centuries of Hawaiian legend and culture, says Ian. Yes, I, never, in, I didn't think about it exactly. Sorry? Well, he might have Googled. Is that word for go that you've Googled it, Ian? He said, the producer says, because he knows these things, because he he does the same. And um, he said, that's almost word for word, is it? Sneaky little person. He's in in Frome. Bless his heart. (laughs) You see, I don't really care either way, actually. It's something I didn't know before. Uh, Apparently, the lead singer of the Aussie band Men at Work is Colin Hay, who's Scottish. He's an Orkai. I love the Scottish accent, unless it's really broad, in which case I can't understand it at all. But I, I, I think I love a bit of a burr. I like that. Uh, the original indigenous people, the Hawaiians. There you go, you see. So that's how I've got my Hawaiian shirt on. And they've also got um, got surfing. I've never fancied doing it. The, the idea of falling into the water and ruining my hair is something that I'm really not interested in at all. So I, 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 don't, uh, I don't do things. I think it's unnecessary. A little bit embarrassing for the bizarre column. They have sort of three pages of it now in the Sun, and uh, most of it's just uh, it's just copying out press releases. In fact, that's about all it is. It's just it's press release time. It's just reprinting something that's already already come out. But the good news is that uh, next Tuesday we shall discover where we where we arrived in the uh, in the best voice in the country competition in the Radio Times. So we've done photos. The last 10 of us, I think, 10 or 11, I can't remember how many it was, have had photos done. So there'll be a, a spread in there. And then presumably they will announce who the winner is, I suppose, the person who got the most votes. But as I say, looking at all these famous voices, I mean, there's uh, lots and lots of very famous people in this list. So just to be in there, we're excited about. So I better tell you Tuesday morning because I shall have a copy. Uh, they'll get it on Monday. And then they've said that uh, they'll let me have it so I can have it for Tuesday morning and do it on the programme. So we'll have to wait and see, you know, how we do. I'm hoping top five. I'm hoping, that's all I hope, top five. In, in fact, if they even do that, unless they just put all the pictures up, I don't know how, how they're doing it in the Radio Times, uh, unless they do it just like that, and then they just sort of go, and that person is, is the winner. I, don't, I really don't know how it's going to operate. Either way, listen, thank you for voting, and that's, uh, that's as good 
as good as it gets. If we manage to get any higher than five, it's it's a bonus. And if we achieve the uh, almighty, holy position of number one, it will be the miracle of all miracles. Uh, not holding our breath on that one. I might celebrate with a lolly or something like that. Yesterday, 33.5 degrees outside. Uh, a lot of people do become ill in it because what you've got to do is make sure that if you're in a car, take some water with you. If you're going on a bus, take some water with you. In fact, actually just going outside, take some water with you. The best advice I can ever offer is freeze the bottle of water overnight in your freezer, take it out in the morning, and as you go through the morning, the ice will slowly melt and it'll give you ice-cold water, and you will thank me for it. But just remember, don't fill the bottle right up to the top, because as the water expands, it will force the top out and it'll look a bit silly and you'll have a wet floor in the kitchen. So try not to do that. Uh, Other stories in the paper today, a very happy couple. They won 50 15 million pounds on the lottery, which is great, isn't it? We're all so happy for them. So, so happy. Not really. Well, actually, we are. I'm I'm never mean about people winning stuff like that. Good for them. Uh, Now you're going to be bored witless with Pippa Middleton and uh, her her boyfriend. Kate could be bringing up the rear. God, we've got to go through all that again, haven't we? Of course, the worst thing is that Pippa Middleton's uh, fiancé is the brother of Spencer as well. Little Spencer... From Made in Chelsea. Little Spencer Steroid Boy. The one who was dropped from the TV programme. The one who claims to have bedded a thousand women and done drugs and everything else. He's a bit of a waste of space. And there's uh, there's not really a lot more you can say about Spencer Matthews. He's, uh, he's not the brightest penny in the box. And he's a little bit snooty. But uh, there again, he's a failure. Doesn't only really have a job, does he? And do you remember the story of the stag do reveller I told you about? Who spent £7,500 in five hours... At Spearmint Rhino, when he woke up, he discovered that he'd paid £1,200 in tips to the girls. I don't know you had to tip them. £1,200 in tips. The rest of it was bar bill and all the rest of it. He went to the Bournemouth club, he was drunk, and he decided to take them to court. Saying, listen, you served me when I was drunk. I was not capable. I wouldn't have spent £7,500. That's a third of his salary. third of his salary. But uh, the Bournemouth club said he paid willingly and was alone with strippers. It was drunk. The judge has said, listen, in this case, there might not be a clear winner. And so he's won an undisclosed payout from Spearmint Rhino. He was drunk on a 12-hour 30-drink bender, he says, but the club still served him drinks and exploited him. He says, there's no way, had I had all my faculties, that I would have spent anywhere near that amount of money. So they've agreed a confidential payout. I'd love to know what they paid him out, wouldn't you? I'd love to know that. I wonder how many other people are going to be opening the uh, files... And going, wait a minute, I was drunk in there. And they happily took the money. So uh, that, that could open the floodgates, actually. Uh, speechless, here she is. It's uh, Melania. Uh, this is Donald Trump's uh, girl. Isn't it amazing? An old wrinkly like him and a stunning-looking girl like that. And uh, she's basically copied Michelle Obama's speech in her first address. And uh, uh, the dress she was wearing, incidentally, sold out. It sold out because uh, people... People liked it so much. and they, People see something, don't they? You see something on somebody and then you go, God, if I wear that, am I going to look that good? So I used to buy Calvin Klein underwear because the model on the front, I used to think, if I wear these pants, I'm going to look that good. Sadly, I didn't. I just looked like a fat bloke wearing pants that didn't suit him. But then I thought, nobody's going to see them anyway. It's just me. So, of course, I used to revel in the fact. But I did used to buy And I thought, why am I buying Calvin Klein pants? It's not like he's making them. They're made in China. And, and I'm just buying them because I thought, you know, why fronts look trendy. But, you know, perhaps they're not. I don't, I don't know. Does it really matter? Uh, fan of Star Wars? 
Got some money out there, haven't you, you collector? Somebody has just paid a small fortune for a little figure. I'll tell you about it in a moment. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Only every nine minutes to six, Wednesday, the 20th of July. Sarah Khan's doing a column in the, uh, the Mirror today. If memory serves me, was Sarah Khan, the woman who said on Loose Women that she'd gone off sex with her husband and he was free to go off with everybody else? He wanted to. I'm sure that was her. And, and he went, what? She said, we have an arrangement. He went, what? I assumed then she was some sort of attention seeker and quite clearly just told lies because he didn't seem to know anything about it at all. So imagine my surprise today when she defends that dreary old cokehead, which is Kerry Coketona, and, uh, and talks about, uh, you know, as a fellow loose woman, she says, or as I prefer to call it, the, uh, the panel of people who leer over other people. Dreadful. She says, I respect Kerry Coketona coming on the show and sharing her life experiences throughout the umpteenth time. I mean, nobody is a bigger failure than Kerry Katona. However, according to Sarah Khan, who's quite clearly looking at this from another perspective, she says she's gone from one car crash to another and courted controversy. But there's something about Kerry which makes you want to protect her from exploitation or ridicule. I don't remember anybody helping her, Sarah, to shove cocaine up her nose and tell her children about it. I don't remember any of that. Do you remember that bit? They said she's been in a successful girl band. No, she was never a part of any of the hits of Atomic Kitten, I'm afraid, and also she can't sing for Toffee. I think we've proved that a million and one times. She's also a chain-smoking. She must stink like an ashtray. And they say she's had several uh, numerous endorsement campaigns and stayed in the public eye. What endorsement camp? Do tell me which ones these are. I love to know these things. I'm always fascinated. She says, you don't stay in the public eye if you're not smart. Really? I can't work out, Sarah, if you're either incredibly naive or just dim. It's a bit difficult here. She says her bra top and leggings are quite frankly not flattering. Now, I'm all for women wearing whatever they feel comfortable in, but in this age of social media, one might think twice about their attire, especially if one's in the public eye. Good God, where are you coming from? She says I have fat thighs and a wobbly bum. So don't expect to see, see me walking in the park in a thong and crop top. Kerry, don't give ammunition to those who want to mock and make fun of you. No, unfortunately, she is car crash, and she's got no hope of doing anything at all. She can't sing. Uh, she can't actually do anything. She has no particular talent, but there again, Sarah, I'm not sure what sort of talent you're supposed to have. Sitting on a panel on the television really isn't uh, talent, just sitting there talking, is it? And Kerry Katona is just... It's always me, 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 me. She doesn't actually... It's a bit like um, poor old Jordan. They can't see anybody else but themselves. It's always everybody else's fault. It's a bit like... You know, they they, they fit into a category, these people. Uh, You know, you don't see many men fitting into these categories. But, you know, you see that and you see uh, Gemma Collins and you see a few other people off the television. Poor me, poor me, poor me. You know, you only have to look at them sort of appearing on the television. Daniela Westbrook, another poor me, poor me, poor me. And they're people who need to grow up. And they need to grow up a little bit. And I suggest, Sarah, you need to grow up a little bit as well. So, you know, don't just put some of the, the various endorsements. What on earth has Kerry Katona ever endorsed? I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Uh, Billy says it's hard to be a role model. Who's that? Billy Piper. He finds it tough being a role model. Who for? Do tell me, who is Billy Piper a role model for? Absolutely nobody at all. She reveals the downside of fame. Billy, grow up. Grow up. Get over yourself. Why don't you come into the real world? Read my book, so you want to be a celebrity. You'll realise that it's just all... It's just all nothing. It's paf. It's poof. Nothing. Nothing at all. Bit of smoke and mirrors. That's all it is. It's tough being a role model. Who to? You're not a role model to anybody. You couldn't keep your marriage together. Couldn't keep your last relationship together. What do you mean a role model? Who are you a role model for? I don't understand this. This role model idea. They go, oh, it's very tough being a role model. It's not an easy ride through parenthood. I need help at the moment, but I've got my mum. Oh, 
God in heaven, honestly, it makes you wonder how these people ever get through the day, doesn't it? You know, can you actually manage it without picking up the phone and calling somebody going, help? What, I mean, this was after she was pictured looking off her face in the middle of a street in the early hours of the morning. And you think it's hard being a role model. I think it's hard growing up if you're Billy Piper. You know, I should imagine the last one couldn't wait to get out of it. It must be an absolute blooming nightmare. Be like being married to, I don't know, I can't think of anybody who's, you know, that's why poor old Kerry Katona can't keep a relationship together. Jordan's relationships go from bad to worse. They even cheat on her, which is even funnier. You know, none of these people seem to be aware of what goes on in the modern life. They expect everybody else to pick up the pieces for them. So we invent reality shows on the television, which means that we point and laugh and go, thank God my life's not as bad as that. You remember when poor old Sam Fahirs and her dreary boyfriend turned up on television? Everybody absolutely hated him. Because she hasn't got anybody else, and she's suddenly... It's like Lydia Dim. She hasn't got anybody else to go out with, apart from Arge, whose brain cell must be about the smallest I've ever seen. Embarrassing, really. And now, Billy, it's hard to be a role model. I don't, what, to five-year-olds or something? Who would it be to? I did love the uh, the disabled gran the other day. Here she is, an old battle axe. You can imagine she's got a right turn of phrase, can't you? And uh, so the... Um, she was, uh, the other day, they were doing tarmac outside some garages, by the look of it. Uh, this is in the West Midlands. Don't visit the West Midlands. They come and tarmac around you. So she decided to have a little bit of a, a bit of a strop. And um, her name is Linda Mills. She's uh, 70. She looks quite good for 70, actually. But she decided to sit on the chair as the, uh, the workman refused to drop the curb on her driveway as they resurfaced. But anyway... When the word of her protest reached council chiefs, they swiftly apologised and the full job got done. And she says it was quite comical. The workmen were fine about it and laid the tarmac around me. <laughs> Some workmen are so dumb. So dumb. But anyway, so the, the paper's now been sorted and uh, they've apologised and taken disciplinary action against the workmen. It's a bit difficult to try and explain that, isn't it, to somebody? There was a woman the other day, I had to laugh, she bought a till of paint in Twickenham somewhere. And as she got near the bus stop, she dropped it on the ground and then stood there looking at it. So we had white paint all over the ground. Luckily, it was all sort of cleared up. She just left it. <laughs> so funny. I love it. That, the, the big embarrassment, isn't it? You buy sort of a bottle of milk. It's very rarely you get bottles. It's all plastic, isn't it, nowadays? And then you drop it and you go, I don't know what to do now. I see people do that in supermarkets. And there's no real... Aren't you just sort of hope that nobody noticed. You try and be all, uh, all casual about it. Uh, the Chinese city of uh, Taiwan, Taiwan uh, was doing a little bit better than we were the other day. Why? They had rain. They had lots of rain. They had so much rain that uh, this uh, deluge, which uh, has left many parts of China absolutely devastated. You saw a few weeks ago the pictures of the pig farmers trying to get their pigs to higher ground because the water was coming in. I think the Yangtze had burst its banks, the famous Yellow River. And, uh, and it was a real, real, real disaster. Prince Charles was opening something the other day. I don't know what, actually. He met lifeboatmen. They get much younger nowadays, don't they, lifeboatmen? And, uh, and there was a little girl there who, who sort of shrugged her hands at the cameras and, you know, like, really not very important. Prince Charles, pff, who, who cares? Who knows? England managers, uh, managerial favourite Sam Allardyce lost 13 and a half grand in a champers and hampers scam targeting Premier League stars. He was swindled whilst in charge at West Ham when, uh, when somebody sort of tried to take him for... I always think, do you remember years ago, there was a, there was a case about... Hampers, and I can't remember exactly what it was, but a lot of you, and I know this because people have written to me before, uh, start investing in a in a Christmas scheme. And so what you do is you pay into a Christmas club, and I think at the end of the year, because you pay in a little bit, uh, then you end up getting your Christmas hampers. You get all your, your old... And I was never sure if they were good value. 
And people say we do it because it's the best way of actually saving up for Christmas. And you'll probably find your local butchers do it or fish shops. Probably not fish shops, actually, but butchers, I know, used to do it down in Isleworth near me. And a friend of mine saved up and got everything for Christmas. But the Christmas hamper market is huge until one of them went bust a few years ago. And people were going, what are we going to do now for Christmas? And it was it was a all hands to the pump kind of thing. It was, you know, because we're a bit drippy when it comes to, what do we do now? And of course, we don't know, actually. We don't know what to do about it. But we just try and get through it. Because Christmas, and I don't want to remind you yet again, is just around the corner. It's, it's seriously, I mean, you know, people are planning already. People are really, really planning to actually uh, sort out Christmas, which is fantastic. And t- I love it. I've already sorted out Christmas. I'm definitely going to have more lights on the Christmas tree than Neil this year. I've decided on that one. More heat today as we head towards the news at uh, six o'clock. The reality TV porn girl pushed to her death. It was a drugs flat that was uh, something was going. That was really not uh, not too good at all. Tesco are now going to sell the hottest chili in the world. The pervert Adam Johnson promises to build a mansion for his wag when he gets out. Lovely, isn't it? The girl who sneezes 8,000 times a day. The BBC have finally admitted they send too many reporters abroad. Right old scam, isn't it, really? Uh, the cenotaph, now covered in Pokemon monsters, as if it couldn't get any worse. Uh, the airport rip-off. It's cheaper to buy on the high street than it is at the airport. And the most expensive flat in London. 12 bathrooms, 12 bedrooms, overlooking the Queen. It's 150 million. Form a queue here, please. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Thunder on the way, they say. Thunder and lightning, it sounds like the title of a song, doesn't it, really? Lou Christie, could it be? Wednesday, the 20th of July. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast, and it's nice to have your company, so it's another hot day. It's another day where you're going to go, oh, Lord, and people say, everybody's turning up in shorts. Seriously, even people who shouldn't be wearing shorts are turning up in shorts. Hottest day of the year, says uh, Dan, and work just told me not to wear shorts. He said, I'm an Arctic driver, not an office worker. He said, who knows? If somebody's sitting in a car or a lorry, you don't know what somebody's wearing, do they? They could be sitting there in their vest and pants. Some people are probably sitting there in their vest and pants this morning. But it's a short day. You'll never catch me wearing shorts at work. You know, I just think it's... You get to a certain age, and I think there are certain clothes you cannot wear. And shorts are that for me, unless it's car key. Uh, Cameron's giving you a new kick uh, in the balls. This is the lottery story, which is running in a lot of the papers for today. Tesco selling the hottest chilli in the world. People love pushing themselves. Now, I don't think I've ever eaten hot chilies. I know you can get these things called... Oh, God, what are they called now? There's a name for them. <laughs> I can't remember what it is. Not hot chilies, but they're... not. I keep thinking of bonkets, but they're not bonkets. I can't remember what they're called now. There's a name for them. They're little sort of round chilies. Somebody will let me know. So it's just I can't remember. What do they call them? So annoying. Uh, the mum who swindled the benefits and she made her children have unnecessary operations and uh, and they don't um, they didn't need them. She swindled nearly three quarters of a million pounds. And to be honest with you, um, they're going to probably send her to prison and the children will be taken into care. I mean, uh, they said they won't name her. I can't quite understand. Why would you not name somebody? Who has, who has fiddled that much money. These people should be thrown in prison and a key thrown away, I think. Uh, Keith Richards didn't think the Beatles were a great live band. That's in all the uh, papers. Uh, Scotch bonnets. I've just remembered Scotch bonnets. Look at that. Eventually it comes to Scotch bonnets, Scotch bonnets. Somebody, who phoned? Who phoned? Go on. Was it Maz? I know. I just I couldn't remember Maz. I, I know them because Paul Cooper sells them and they're called Scotch bonnets and they're the hotter ones. They're quite nice. I knew she'd know. She knows about food. Oh, you were talking to somebody? You were? All right, OK. Who? Who were you talking? Who? 
Engineering. You, talking to engineering? That'll be a first. God, blimey, I tell you. It's like being married in here. It really is, honestly. It's worse. But, uh, yes, Scotch bonnets is what they were. So, and Keith Richards, who says, and it's in quite a lot of the papers, actually, that he didn't think the Beatles were a great live band. And he's not wrong. They weren't a great live band. Jalapeno, says Maxine. Thunder and fr- lightning, very, very frightening. Scaramouche, scar- thank you. We've had that one before. They are Scotch bonnets. Thank you very much indeed. And Sue Ann knew all about the thunder and the lightning and Scotch bonnets from about 300 people. That was fast, wasn't it? That was very fast. Thank you. And uh, Jim the Bin says, I'm going down to your neck of the woods. I hear Twickenham has a few good restaurants. Help me get over six long nights. How do you get a <laughs> Pokemon on a London bus? You poke them on. You poke them on. I know. What can I tell you? And uh, Mark says, sorry, I've just seen my phone send you kisses. It was under my sandwich box in the car texting itself. Yeah, OK. Don't need that kind of talk, do we, really? Not at this time of the morning. We don't do any of this sort of sending kisses to people. Honestly, on a Wednesday, I ask you. Scotch bonnets, thank you. From Dennis. I thought you'd know, actually. I'm looking at your picture. You look like you'd know Scotch bonnets. And uh, Mick says, the Steve Allen Show, always on form. Well, we like to be at this time of the morning. We like to be. I get in more taxis in the morning who are listening to uh, LBC. More people listening to uh, to this station than anything else. Oh, the Kellogg's ads. I knew I had to do something about the Kellogg's ads. It was cereal. It was something to do with cereal. And I can't remember exactly what it was. There was um, Simon Pegg is in the paper. Stephanie What's-Her-Face from, uh, from Big Brother. I thought her career was finished, actually, completely finished. She gets herself pregnant. Well, so she says, and we have to believe her. And um, now she fears bringing a baby into the toxic relationship she has with Jeremy McConnell. Uh, well, it's your fault for getting pregnant in the first place, dear. Have you heard of contraception? How unwise, how stupid, how naive of you. No, no job, no nothing in sight. And uh, and you seriously think people are going to be interested in you? I think not. Uh, According to Camelot, Brits don't care about jackpots on the lottery. We don't care about it. Um, All they care about is just sort of winning a little bit of money, but they don't want to win jackpots. Are you mad? What do you think people are doing the lottery for? What do you think we're just doing it to line your pockets? No, 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 no. People are doing it to win the jackpot. If it says 32 million... I want to win £32 million. I don't want to be fobbed off with you know, £3.24, thank you very much indeed. I want to win £32 million. And if I don't win it, I want to know why. That's it. Oh, the page boy. Princess Kate, set to be chief bridesmaid at her sister's wedding. You're going to be so bored with Pippa Middleton, I promise you. I'm bored with her now, and it's only about three days in. Uh, pervert Adam Johnson has won back his wag. He's promised to build her a £2 million mansion. Oh, I'll ditch her and find somebody else, love it. That's what her demands are. The ex-Sunderland footballer jailed for grooming a 15-year-old schoolgirl was spotted smooching with Stacey during a prison visit. My God, it's more cushy in prison than I ever imagined nowadays. And so she's given him a second chance. Oh, do you think that was before he said he was going to build the £2 million mansion? <laughs> you have to ask yourself the question, don't you, really? You have to ask the question. Uh, what else have we got in the papers today? Uh, the Rio Games could be my last, says Tom Daly. At least we don't see Tom Daly turning up on reality shows. Please, God, never, ever. And the girl who accidentally discovered that she's uh, Ian Huntley's daughter has vowed she'll never meet him. Well, that's good. She turned up on television yesterday. In fact, she's revelling in the publicity. She can't, you can't get away from her. She's done numerous newspaper interviews. And then she turned up in Good Morning Britain the other day. You'd think, actually, if you didn't want anything to do with him, why are you talking about it? Don't talk about it. Like listening to sort of people, they say, oh, I don't want anything more to do with that person. And then drone on about it. Like that poor old Lydia Dim. You know, I'm never going to go out with Arge ever again. Oh, shut up. Nobody cares. 
You're obviously mistaking us for people who give a forex, and we don't give a forex. We don't really care about you. Nobody's interested. Just get on with your life. Uh, the schoolgirl who sneezes 8,000 times a day. She must be exhausted. I find sneezing just a few times is very, very exhausting. But 8,000 times a day. We've heard of people like this, and they, they try and stop them sneezing, and, and, and so she's suffering. I mean, nobody has anything like this before. She comes from Colchester. Her name's Priya, and... In 2009, Lauren Johnson of uh, Chesapeake in Virginia started to seize thousands of times a day. Uh, hers was caused by a throat infection. So uh, this girl started a chewing three weeks ago and hasn't stopped since. She's only nine and she sneezes more than ten times a minute. Uh, no remedy has been found. She just woke up sneezing. and said, How does she sleep then? Do you sleep? Can you sneeze if you, if you sleep? Is that possible? To actually sort of... Achoo. No, it wouldn't be. Surely not. You can't do two things, can you? Not at the same time. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And uh, if I switch to listening LBC on my phone, says Malcolm, I notice it's about a minute behind the radio. Yes, it should be about a minute ahead. Well, actually, I don't think it is. It's not 60 seconds. It's nowhere near 60 seconds. It should be about 10 10 seconds ahead. What you're hearing um, is, uh, is something I've already done. I've already done the thing. I've just done it privately and then I've released it to you. Don't ask me how it works, because I haven't, <laughs> I haven't worked it out either. Uh, Kerry Katona did Iceland. I know, they soon dropped her. They suddenly realised it was a very bad role model. Very bad, because she doesn't learn. She's a little bit like Daniela Westbrook, you know, another person who doesn't really have a brain cell that's active. And so uh, nobody, nobody's interested. Uh, so Pippa, almost as big as Kate's ring, that is. And uh, so they've got Pippa's platinum and diamonds, said to cost about £100,000. Whoopee, whoopee. Um, this man that she's going to marry has got a a private jet, I believe. And um, and then they said she walked out wearing a £110 dress. Oh, she's not staying there. Not even married yet. These young people, they're so forward nowadays, aren't they? Actually sort of staying in somebody's house when, you know, they're not even married. But there again... Once a floozy, always a floozy, I think. But you're going to be bored with the wedding and there'll be features in OK magazine and it'll be just so dull. And then they'll drag out even more boring Spencer Matthews and we'll all be going, oh, get him off the television, please, quick as possible. Uh, The £15 million winner I told you about, he said he's not going to quit work. And I think that's the way forward. Why would you want to quit work on £15 If you won sort of like £20 £30 I could understand it. But what are you going to do? Once you've been on holiday... And you've come back and you've bought a house and you've bought the car. But what do you do then? Do you sit there twiddling your thumbs? Well, all your friends are at work. So the idea is that you, you keep working, you know, or cut back or something. But you don't give up completely. You're going to be bored out of your mind very quickly. Uh, the BBC are cutting back on the number of reporters they're sending to overseas events in an attempt to save money. But, of course, this is the joke, isn't it? The BBC are not bothering to save money. You know, we, we've cut back on celebrity salaries, but we've sent more in this department. They've got no idea what to do. They're basically doing what they want. They're just sticking two fingers up to you. They couldn't care less. At a meeting, the BBC's head of news gathering told staff the sheer numbers we deploy in events need to be reconsidered. Well, they've only just realised this all these years down the line. Saddos. I mean, at one point, they had five reporters covering the terror attack in Nice. Five reporters. You know, the cost of this is astronomical. It's just shoddy news gathering. That's all it is. And they say now that uh, they've denied that cost-cutting effort means scaling back on sending big-name newsreaders, or, as I've always said, people who can read out aloud to it. What difference does it make whether it's Fiona Bruce or Hugh Edwards or some little person who's come from the Midlands, you know, doing a report? There's no difference at all. Who cares whether Hugh Edwards is over there? Nobody gives a stuff. Don't overestimate people who read auto-cue. 
Anyway, they're, 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 they're trying to save 550 million. Yeah, fat chance. They're not making any attempt to do it whatsoever. Well, stop paying stupid salaries to people who read an auto queue. People who don't even write it. It's written by other people. Then they sit there reading it. You know, is it making a difference whether Hugh Edwards is sitting on the, uh, the, uh, the concourse out there in Nice or in Cannes or Sandra? Who cares? Couldn't care less where he is. You could sit him in a studio with a picture of Nice behind him. Ridiculous. Jeff in Burke Hampstead says, how do sinkholes appear? Well, it's generally an underground stream that during uh, a lot of rain, which comes down from up north, makes the hole bigger and bigger and bigger. And then the things on top of it just can't stay there. And it just opens up nine out of ten times. It's uh, it's water. Uh, Tony says, I read that 99 percent of benefit cheats don't go to prison. I bet they pay it back in small instalments. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I'd, I'd bring back special prison and uh, you'd keep them in there. Ten years minimum. Ten years minimum for, for any benefit cheats, I think. Because they're not just cheating the system, they're cheating other... <laughs> excuse me. <coughs> Blimey, start of 8,000 sneezes a day. That's all I need. Could be a very short programme. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. I'm trying to uh, think of a couple of television programmes that I would watch... On the te- because I, I just said I watch everything on television. I'm a bit of a sort of a media bunny, and so I watch everything uh, on the television. But I'm, I'm just trying to think of a couple ones for my friend John, who says a couple of daytime TV shows that I particularly enjoy. What do I particularly enjoy? I do love This Morning, and uh, could I put down Jeremy... I'm not sure I could put down Jeremy Kyle as a guilty pleasure, because I'm not sure my, my, my sort of brain capacity will handle something like that. What else do I like, actually? Like anything like that, I, uh, yeah. I mean, listening to the, this program, what would you think I enjoy on the television? It's very difficult, actually, isn't it? Because when you think of daytime television programs, I like anything to do with antiques. So, uh, or any. Oh, wait a minute, and any. And um, sorry, I'm just having. You have just to bear with me, just one second. I've got a deadline to reach here, <laughs> and any antique uh, shows or cooking. There you go. That'll do. That's, that's all you're going to get, Chits. That's all I can think of. I can't, isn't it funny when you can't... If somebody says to you, what do you listen to on the radio? I can't specifically think of something because I, I'm sort of in the middle of it. In the middle of it. Um, so, anyway, he'll make of that what he will this morning, I, I reckon. I hope so, anyway. Uh, I've been watching Loose Women for a few months. It seems longer. I'm now sick to death of women talking about what, what a few women think all women want to talk about. It's all about relationships gone wrong, says Anne. Don't they realise that many women, even younger ones, managed to keep relationships going for many years? And, um... She says, women have no better idea about relationships than men do. Very seems old-fashioned. Now, about your profession and what to call it. You're a radio meister. A radio master. And uh, she says, you're also a, a general radio educator. So, Anne's in Crumbly. <laughs> She's got to water the hanging baskets. I think I might just put ice in my hanging basket. Yes, I mean, it's, it's difficult to describe what, what people see as what you do for a living. You sit and you talk into a microphone. That's, that's as good as it gets. It doesn't get any better than that. And people listen to it all over the world and on all around the country. But when it comes to writing something for the Radio Times, I can't think of anything at all. That's not my side of it. I need other people to sit down with me and say, oh, you can do this and you can do that. This is because Tuesday we find out... Uh, how well we did in the uh, in the voice competition. I'm not holding my breath on it. As I said at the beginning of the programme, and I'll say it again now for the third time, that uh, just to be nominated was lovely. Just to be nominated. It was, you know, really nice. And so very happy with that. Of course, they're all hoping for something better. Uh, how much are the service charges, says Phil, on the Admiralty Arch Flat? Yes, it was bought by somebody. He paid £60 million 
for a 250-year lease. We'll, we'll flog anything off in this country. We couldn't care less. He says, how much would the service charge be on a flat of 150 million? 12, but who uses 12 bedrooms? Where's the parking? There's no parking. That you'll have to be dropped off by helicopter or something. And the council tax. You know, pity that the, uh, the buyer can't have the right to shut the gates beneath the flat. That's only open for the monarch to go through, as we all know. And it's the only red road in London, isn't it? The only red road in London. There are ghost chilies, says Michael, even hotter, up to 12 million on the Scoville scale. Are they really? Are they really? Seriously? Good Lord. Uh, and Alan says, um, uh, I woke up at 4am, too hot, went into the garden, fell asleep, and I've just woken up, get, I'm getting ready to go to my Mayfair office. How lovely. It's going to be very hot for you today. You're going to suffer, suffer quite badly. Uh, Qantas Stands for Queensland and Northern Territory Aerial Service. As an Australian, says Ken. Uh, I learned this at school. Did your Australian producer know what Qantas stands for? He doesn't know, isn't know what wafers are. What's the point of asking him anything about, about Qantas? He won't know anything like that at all. He's hopeless. <laughs> and so, wait a minute, what else? I was trying to find something else here, actually. Uh, a lot of people talk about the Admiralty Art. This is the £150 million flat. Who would buy that? Well, it's not going to be anybody I know. Not going to be anybody I know anytime soon. <laughs> 150 minutes. 12 bedrooms. Must be a little bit pokey, actually. Uh, Steve, benefit cheats make it hard for genuine claimants. But to vilify them more than the criminal bankers and politicians who are screwing the system is a bit ludicrous. Yes, but they don't make the papers all the time, do they? They don't make the papers. Uh, Jeff says, could we drop the cruel £400,000 benefit cheat down one? Your choice of location. Oh, believe you me, if I had my choice. Oh, dear me. Oh, yes, I'd have no truck with benefit fraudsters. No, because it's it's people who are taking away from other people who need it and services that need it. And she thought nothing. I want, so I want to know who she is. I want to know exactly who she is. I want a picture of her in the paper so we can avoid her like the plague. The very black sheep joining Pippa's family. Yes, the cocaine-snorting playboy who boasts he's bedded a thousand women. Pippa's new brother-in-law makes her naughty Uncle Gary look like a choir boy. This is poor old uh, Spencer Matthews, a buffoon of the First Order, a man who was kicked off a television programme. He might have bedded loads of people, but perhaps they're a bit desperate. One, of course, is... uh, There's one here he's pictured with called a fitness guru. Anybody less fit, you'd be hard-pushed to find. And somebody from Made in Chelsea called Kimberly Garner. They all seem to enjoy bed-hopping with with poor old Spencer Matthews. Must be a bit desperate, actually. Perhaps... I don't know what he does, really. He went to Eton... And that's about as bad as it got for him, because he certainly let the side down very badly. Just think very shortly, you could be cavorting with, uh, with Kate and William. That would be a bad news, wouldn't it? Uh, sorry, Kate, little sis has made a far better match. This is the hedge fund manager of Catch. And uh, Prince William versus James Matthews. Prince William, really not much of a catch. No hair, fallen out, doesn't really do anything, bit drippy. You know, but he can sort of help out with a helicopter and that's about it. That's as good as it gets. But being stuck with Spencer Matthews, my God, that's everybody's worst nightmare, isn't it? Uh, Boris, who brought that old windbag Kerry to life. This is John Kerry. But my favourite story of the day, and I got very excited, I might have to go down there and visit anytime soon, is uh, the Tudor warship that won the first battle for Brexit. Yes, the Mary Rose uh, now has been opened up even more so that uh, people can see it. And you can also get it. You really have to go. If you've not seen it, this is from 1511. We have a Tudor warship where we have half a Tudor warship. The half that was buried in the mud was the bit that preserved it. And it's now been injected and it's fantastic. They've opened up the windows so you can see more into it. I mean, you're looking at a Tudor warship that was 800 tonnes. It had uh, 200 sailors, 185 soldiers and 30 gunmen. You'll look at it and you'll... 
and you'll amaze yourself at where they all fitted. When it went down, uh, they reckon there were about 700 on board. When they found the ship, there were the bodies of lots of men who were caught in the front of it, still in the clothes that they were wearing. They had 78 to 91 guns. When you see the size of them and you realise how solid they were, how this thing floated is beyond me. But it's there for all to see. It's been uh, hermetically sealed in a mist of chilled water and soluble wax. 60 million people watched it on television when they brought it up and then the crane broke. We all thought, no, no, please don't send it back down to the deep again. But uh, it's here. It's got a £39 million restoration process, and uh, and it's worth seeing again. I mean, it had a grand opening the other day. Fantastic. I tell you, I mean, I, I, I could have looked at it for ages, because all the ghosts come back to you, the ghosts of the people, who wouldn't have realised back in 1511, you know, when this thing went down, uh, that it would be dredged up all those years later and put in a museum. You'd never have known it, would you? Never, ever have known it. Listen, that's about it this morning. Uh, more heat to come. Uh, we do have a free podcast. I'll try not to moan about the heat on it. I know it sounds a little bit tedious, but uh, I did suffer bad. The buses were the worst thing. The trains were fine. Don't they have air conditioning on buses? <laughs> Only ask. You know, please, please. And uh, Steve, you've got to watch Child Genius. You'll have a field day. Nutters in the making. And, uh, and Mick says, loose women, if men made some of the comments they make about women, they'd be in a tribunal. Oh, I know. And nothing worse than potty mouth. Uh, poor old Colleen Nolan. I mean, really, it's embarrassing to watch the poor old woman fawning over men on the programme. It's really, we had that incident the other day where somebody said, um, you know, they didn't want to take his shirt off because all you'd get is sort of people like Colleen and Janet Street Porter leering over them. Very tacky. Mind you, nobody's ever going to be leering over Janet Street Porter and Colleen Nolan anytime soon. However, we will be leering over you tomorrow morning from four o'clock. So we look forward to your company then. Free podcast up for you today. Same advice as yesterday. Do you know there was a woman who left a child in a car while she went shopping the other day? A woman, I mean, seriously, there are that many thick people who actually get driving licences. She left a child in a car. Police had to talk to her. I'd have had her arrested and a child put in care, put with a decent parent, leaving a child in a car in this weather. Bad enough when they leave uh, dogs and animals and things like that. Don't leave them in there. I expect prosecutions anytime soon. Have a lovely day. Take your bottle of water with you, please. Make sure you're wearing, you know, the right amount of clothing. We don't want anything too tacky because it just looks awful. And do look in the mirror first. Okay. Remember, you're wearing it for you, not for what you think you look like. You can listen to LBC whenever you want, wherever you are. Download the free LBC app for your mobile or tablet. Never miss anything. Leading Britain's conversation at seven. Nick Ferrari at breakfast. Next, though, Lisa Aziz with the morning news. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.